Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Margaret Buttermer down in West Cork dominates many of the red tops this morning. She was before Bandon District Court, the 66-year-old. She's very defiant, very unrepentant, as the judge said, and very likely to reoffend. So what has she been doing? She's been walking around without a mask on and spent a weekend in court in jail because of it, was back in court yesterday inside the court yet again with no mask on. And I think she'll be before the court again in the foreseeable future. The mirror this morning called it a bare-faced cheek. Uh, suspended sentence for not wearing a mask is the story from the Echo this morning. Her supporters were holding placards with slogans like Grannies Won't Be Gagged and they cheered the 66-year-old as she walked free from court in West Cork yesterday with a suspended sentence and a fine. Uh, how much was she fined? €350 Euro, um, for verbally abusing a store manager where it's alleged she called him an a-hole except she called him the whole word. She says that she is only answerable to God. So that's one that makes the papers this morning. She is going to continue to live her life and uh, she, her hands are held high in jubilation and I suppose in triumph, if, if you like, for you know, uh, her side in the sense that she's going to continue to not wear masks uh, and defiantly stands outside the course the, yesterday uh, and makes the front pages of many of the papers. And then there's a lot of confusion as to will we or won't we or can you or can't you fly overseas. Certainly won't be flying over Belarus anytime soon, but live gigs are coming back with fans of 5,000. While at the same time, it said in the mirror this morning, that they're going to allow gigs of up to 5,000 outdoors, but snubbing the pub's call to be allowed to reopen, like we were chatting about yesterday morning, on July 1st. So, stay and spend for Ireland is the story that makes the mail. With the end of all of the travel restrictions and tourists allowed to come and go, um, the tourism minister instead is urging that we remain home this year and support the country. But here's why there's confusion with regards to all of this. The examiner this morning says foreign travel on the cards for July. Ireland aims to be one of the early adopters on board with the digital cert for vaccinated people. But this morning, the Indo says return of holidays abroad delayed because of the cyber attack on the HSE. They are saying uh, that uh, the cyber attack has crippled the health service for the last 10 days. And I suppose if you drill in to the story, you'll find some connection between the cyber attack and the HSE and whether or not people can travel overseas and on holidays. But Bihar Martin is saying if you do get suspicious calls or if you get suspicious texts to get in touch with the Garda Shikana straight away following the cyber criminals hack of the HSE IT system. But I like a question and answers that makes the independent this morning. Who would buy your data, your personal health information, and how might it be used to target people? Well, this morning, Adam Reckler, uh, Weckler, who does a lot of the uh, data IT tech stuff for the independent, says, we have some recent examples of how criminals specifically target victims of medical database hacks. Last year, patients of a Finnish psychotherapy practice um, firm started to get extortion and blackmail threats and hackers had stolen the firm's database and then contacted individual clients threatening to expose the details of their mental health treatment unless they paid a fee of 200 euro in bitcoin and if it wasn't paid within 24 hours they en- then increased the demand to 500 euro in bitcoin and apparently hundreds of patients data did end up online 
Although he says we don't know whether this was connected to a refusal to pay or simply the hackers dumped it anyway, even if they had been paid. So Belarus makes many of the papers this morning. There's no flights in it, into it. Um, there's no flights out of it to European countries and airlines are told not to fly over it. Of course, this all has to do with the blogger Roman Protasevich, the 26-year-old who was grabbed off the Ryanair flight in Minsk. Apparently, when, he was, when the plane landed, he begged the uh, airplane staff, do not let me get off this flight. I will be executed. There is a death sentence on my head. So piracy um, in the skies is a story that makes all of the papers this morning in quite some uh, some detail. Um, we, you know, the, the issue regarding religion in Ireland is ever-changing and ever-fluid. I suppose what people want is for religion to be even more fluid, don't they? But there are four Cork parishes now that make this morning's echo because they have to share priests now. Uh, Bishop Gavin, uh, Bishop Finton has said that uh, parishioners of Clahine, Kerry Pike, will have to uh, share their parish uh, and there'll be a new family of parishes working together to try and deal with the pastoral needs with only a limited supply of priests. So Clahine, Kerry Pike, Farron Ree, Gronabraher, Nochnihini, Holly Hill, much of the north side of Cork, four Cork parishes asked to share priests. And uh, of course, we were talking yesterday of filicide, uh, and I spoke with Una Butler regarding the loss of her own daughters on air, and we were referencing Deirdre Morley and the killing of her children. Her husband, Andrew McGinley, makes the son today. He said that uh, his three kids would still be alive today if he was included in his wife's mental care plan. Um, And that's exactly what Una Butler is asking to change and asking to be reformed. She believes that her daughters would be alive if she was aware and involved in the health care and the mental health care of her husband at the time, John. So the papers also this morning talk in a lighthearted note of a couple of different things that we've been dealing with in the past. One, of course, is Eurovision. And it's only fair if people make an accusation against a singer about an allegation of cocaine uh, taking during the Eurovision. It's only fair to go back uh, after the the drug, te- drug test. And uh, Maniskin had a drug test yesterday and he tested negative for drugs. So that's the end of that. Do you know how we've been recently talking about UFOs? I won't go into this story in much detail because it would take too long right now. But there could well be truth about to be released by the American government about UFOs and about sightings, even from U.S. Navy pilots. And apparently there's evidence that could well be released soon and video footage and photographs. Say in one instance of U.S. Navy pilots in 2014 and again in 2015, where they show video footage of a 40-foot object shaped like a giant tic-tac with no winds, wings, I should say, no rotors, no propellers, but hovering, turning, accelerating through the skies at hypersonic speed. And apparently the Navy pilots can be heard exclaiming to each other, Ah, dude. Oh, my God, dude. And even Obama on television uh, answered a question where he was asked, you know, do we have in a lab somewhere alien specimens and spaceships? He said no. But he did acknowledge the existence of objects that cannot easily be explained. So I think that's quite fascinating, isn't it? And finally, and we've all done this, must tell you the story of the guy who uh, thought he was eating a can of stew once and was actually eating a can of dog food. He was the worst to wear for drink at the time. But as the story makes the sun this morning of an elderly couple who were boasting to all that knew them about the most beautiful scrummy pate that they got in Carrefour um, uh, uh, you know, in French. 
so they saw the word moose, they saw the word pate, they saw the word carrefour, but they failed to see the photograph of the kitten on the tin. Because it wasn't pit pate, they may have found it absolutely delicious. It was, however, the cat's pyjamas. Cat food. The Neil Prenderville Show. Eyes open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. And one interesting story that, taken out of context, you'd almost be half freaking about it. It was making the online editions of the Independent.ie overnight, and this was uh, local Dublin councillor David McManus. He said, "Paying child benefit to all parents is a subsidy for them to have sex." Now, maybe you might agree, maybe you might disagree. I think what he was trying to say was that paying child benefit to all parents, including those that don't need it, people on a hundred grand or a hundred and fifty grand a year, is really just a subsidy for them to have sex because they don't need the children's allowance per child at 140 euro per month. I think what he really was meaning to say was that hot meals for poor children in schools is what they should be investing in. You know, clothing and footwear and things for children who are poor in schools. Things like that as opposed to giving the very wealthy children's allowance. I mean, should children's allowance be means tested, I wonder? Your thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. Why give it to people who don't need it when there are others that need it more? 1850104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850104106. Red FM. Okay, so it's dominating the news and of course uh, everybody loves a good a bit new, good news when it comes to the weather. Let's do this now for fear of running out of time later on. They are saying that it's going to improve the back end of the week, but will that run into next week? I mean, is summer about to arrive 18 20 21 degrees of the weekend let's find out nick is at uh, weather alerts ireland nick good morning hello how are you this morning oh, i'm good i'm good i know it's difficult to go longer than a few days ahead but what's uh, what's in store my man what's in store yes yeah, so you nailed it there it's hard to, to predict in a couple of days in advance but yeah like the kind of uh, summary is the weekend is meant to be uh, quite nice. Uh, it's meant to be dry, calm, uh, which is what we all really need, and hazy sunshine um, up to 18, 19 degrees in Cork, possibly 20. Um, up the country, it's going to be a little bit warmer. Um, but yeah, like it's definitely looking up. Um, and yeah, Monday again could be 18, 19 degrees, and then it's looking like next week could be a bit colder, um, but there's still a lot of uncertainty about that. Uh, but for the next few days, it's going to be like tomorrow's going to be dry enough. Thursday, another band of rain coming through. Friday showers, and then the weekend is looking dry. So at least there's some some bit of hope. Yeah, th- Thursday's a bit of an old dodgy day, a bit like today. But yeah. Friday is really the game changer, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, warm air starts to push up, so like that's always welcome. Um, and it is meant to like the high pressure is meant to be situated uh, over Ireland um, or just to the, the side of Ireland. So like it is going to stay dry. Um, and yeah, like it'll just be warm out of the wind, even though it's meant to be calm, but out of the wind it'll certainly feel lovely like um, towards the summer side of, side, side of things. Okay, how long will it last? Not very long. Like it's looking like it could, like it depends on the models. Like the models are, they're a bit split into next week. Like some are showing it could break down, bring colder air in. And and one of the other models showed that it could it could be even warmer next week, but it's it's really hard to know at the moment. Um, like uh, towards the weekend, we'll get a better idea. Um, but yeah, it just depends on which which takes charge if it's the Atlantic or if it's southern. Um, if the high pressure stays around and keeps the warm air coming up. Now, yeah, again, it's difficult that far ahead in fairness, yeah, sure. but so so what we're looking at really is a lot of bright spells. 
with a bit of cloud knocking around across Friday and Saturday and Sunday, but certainly yeah. 18, 19, 20 degrees, and then a humdinger Monday with literally blue skies and sunshine all day. Would you go along with that? Uh, yeah, like it should be fairly, like sunny spells. Like I think it's high clouds, so it could be hazy sunshine, um, especially over the weekend as well. Um, so like, yeah, like cloudy, cloudy, hazy sunshine uh, and feeling warm. That's I wonder where, we'll, I wonder where would we be right. warmer then? Like up the country, kind of looks to be warmer. Uh, no, but I mean, will we be warmer than the Med, for instance? Will we be warmer <laughs> than the Greek no. Islands? Because <laughs> 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 it's a southerly wind, I assume um, like <laughs> France and stuff would be a lot warmer than us. Um, I'd say even the UK could be could be warmer than us. Um, but it's better than what we've been having. It's been I know, I know. Lately. Isn't um, it amazing how we, 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 we are happy with scraps, aren't we? We don't get consistent yeah. summers like... <laughs> exactly, yeah. And like I even saw the Donegal weather, uh, the postman. Uh, he's saying it, it could be some nice, um, could be a nice summer, especially after the the kind of unusual kind of weather we had with the thunderstorms and stuff. Um, but yeah, look, any any uh, warm, sunny, sunny spells are, are good to to have. You know, okay, so going. yeah, so get out the baden togs, fill up the car for the beach, dust down the barbecue. Um, oh, dust down the barbecue. Yeah. Fill up oh, the paddling pools. Anytime, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's a bit chilly for that now, but yeah, go for it, go for it, go for it, go for it. Enjoy it while it's there, and it may not come around again for a little bit longer, you know. All right, well, as I say, it's only Tuesday, it's early days, maybe we'll touch base again closer to the back end of the week, and then we'll get an idea of the weekend and next week at that stage, won't we? Yeah, exactly, yeah, every day that goes by, you'll get a, a better idea. Well, thank you um, so hopefully, much. Hopefully, it stays up and uh, we'll get a nice couple of weeks out of it. You're dead right, you're dead right. Okay, we'll stay in touch and see how it's going, uh, maybe right. Thursday or Friday, all right? No problem at all. Fair play to you, Nick. Day. Cheers, my man. Well done. That's Nick at uh, Weather Alerts Ireland. It's looking good uh, and looking particularly good from Friday. So tomorrow, a cloudy old day with some sunny spells knocking around. But Thursday, uh, showery old day. You know, temperatures drop into 12, maybe 13, 14 degrees. But Friday is when it's changing. So make plans. And of course, there are changes, of course, next week as well with the hotels on the 2nd of June and then those that can serve food and pints and what have you outdoors from the 7th of June. So all that's good. You know, we were talking about, uh, you know, bus fares and issues involving people on buses uh, on Friday's program with or without cash. Big, big response to that. Kira says, listening to the stories about bus drivers, I remember three years ago, I was getting the air coach to Dublin from town and I had checked the website. It clearly said that you could pay the air coach with a card. So I arrived at the bus. The driver wouldn't let me on. It was cash only. I'd ring my dad as he dropped me off to come directly back with the 20 euro or else I'd have missed the bus and missed my flight. I did, because I know you will ask, contact Aircoach Online and they confirmed the driver should have accepted a card payment and they said that they would deal with the matter. Another one, listening to the show on Friday with bus air and drivers, it jogged the memory of an event in 2019 uh, on a family member while using the local bus service. My mother, uh, you who uses a wheelchair, uh, when out, was shouted at by a bus driver and publicly degraded in front of her, in front of other passengers. In June of 2019, he shouted, Do you have a bus pass? Huh? What did you say? Do you have one or not? While she was waiting in the queue when the door opened, he then shouted, Where are you going? Started totting. 
that he had to get up off his arse to put the wheelchair ramp down and then he slammed it down. It was completely inappropriate, degrading and unwarranted. Even other people in the queue mentioned that the driver was completely out of line and she should make a complaint and we did that. Here's the bus error in response of the complaint made the same day. Um, I referred to correspondence in relation to the route 208 and the interaction with the driver and we regret the distress you encountered. We endeavour to provide our customers with the best service possible, ensure that any journey taken is comfortable and pleasant, staff reinforce our customers' confidence, etc, etc. Please be assured that we expect all our staff to perform their duties in line with bus errand standards. Uh, Any behaviour is not condoned. And we invoke our formal disciplinary procedure should an event occur. The driver on the day in question has been identified, formally interviewed on this matter. Thank you for bringing this matter to our attention. And again, thank you. We regret this experience. But they don't say what the conclusion uh, of the formal interview was. Maybe they can't anymore under GDPR. I mean, is there a warning given? You know, did uh, did the, the... customer who was embarrassed and humiliated uh, get told about the contents of the interview the formal interview nothing except the driver in the question has been identified and formally interviewed on the matter I mean will that driver get a good enough fright that he never does it again one would hope so and then very quickly a big shout out to the man in the black Mercedes who stopped to help my 83 year old father he blew a tyre on the link on Saturday at half two 83 year old be difficult to change the tyre not only did this man stop to help but he changed the tyre in a very difficult situation just before the Wilton turnoff. There was no hard shoulder, you can imagine. Will you also thank the lady in the silver car who pulled up behind my father's car and put on her hazards to alert traffic to a situation? Both these kind people are extremely, we are extremely grateful to them and their kindness. Thank you so much, says Abina Curtin. So happy to do that. And everybody else that's getting in touch, I will endeavoured as best as possible to get as many emails and texts on the air as I can. Just one final one now. And this is an email with regards to an experience at Mass. Dear Neil, I woke up on a very usual Sunday morning at half past six and Dennis, my beautiful partner of the last 20 years, brought me a strong cup of tea. He got a text from a very good friend and had to drive to another part of the country to help him out. Then he came back to his mom's house, put the dinner on for the family. Then he went to Mass later that day. He was looking forward to going to Mass after lockdown. He usually stays at the back of the church and deliberated whether to receive communion or not. Alas, he decided to go to the altar and receive it with his mask on. But he decided not to remove the mask in case of COVID. He took it in his hand, as per practice nowadays, and put it in his pocket to go back to his position in the church. Little did he know the priest was following him down the aisle and the congregation of people were also waiting to see what did he do wrong? What's going to happen next? Anyway, the priest asked him, what did he do with the host? Dennis said, it's in my pocket. Priest told him, take it out now. Dennis got so humiliated, he left the church. Two men followed him out of the church and called him, asking him, what are you doing? Dennis said, what do you mean? And said to him, you have a black mark now. And they went back into the church. Needless to say, he came home like Lucifer. My point being, this kind of behavior to whom humiliate a good person that always does the right thing by everyone and ruin his day, he felt as if people thought he had stolen something. He always puts more than required in the collection box, I must say. Surely, this should be announced from the altar prior to mass commencement to avoid embarrassment and cause people still going to Mass to find solace in God. I'm so angry 
says Mary. Thank you for that because it's another example if there's humiliation in the hands of some bus drivers, you claim humiliation on behalf of a priest. I have no, I have no answer to that. I mean, I, I, I would have thought that... I mean, my understanding growing up was that uh, this was the most holy of holy, the host being the body of Christ, and it must go directly into your mouth. Now, when they started to allow people to put it into their hands, that was a lot of talk at the time over that, as to whether something consecrated like that should be allowed into a person's hand, that it should go from the holy hand of a priest into the mouth directly body of Christ. I mean, I'm not saying that I believe any of them. I'm just saying this this was the understanding. So, to put it into your pocket, I think that's probably, in the eyes of a priest, a step too far, you know, that it could be a desecration of the host. So, I think that's why the priest um, followed him. As to how the priest handled it, with regards to, you know, what do you do and take it out of your pocket? I mean, perhaps that wasn't handled in the best way but what do you think guys I mean do we overreact to things like this was the priest overreacting um, you know maybe you're a church core and you have an opinion on this maybe you have a church core and you have an opinion on it too text 0868104106 I think if you're a practicing Catholic and you're a church core and you're going to mass probably putting it in your pocket is a step too far but then again, somebody out there is going to suggest I should just get over it. Anyway, your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. And, you know, we were talking also recently about things involving uh, kids and kids at weddings. Should they or shouldn't they go to weddings? Should they or shouldn't they in, be invited to weddings? Um, we've got an interesting take on this because everybody had an opinion on it. And I've got more texts and emails. But we also got a super vox on the issue with regards to kids at weddings. This is some work from Mark Willington. This is what the people think about kids at weddings. Glory to the chapel and gonna get married. My wedding, there wasn't any kids unless they were just, you know, close family. I didn't ban them, but at the same time, I think people prefer to go to weddings without their kids the day out. Like any, you know, when, when my little boy was small, it was a case of I got a babysitter and had a nice day with the husband instead of... So if an invitation dropped in the drawer that said no children, you I wouldn't be offended, no, because I wouldn't bring them anyway. <laughs> if it was a foreign wedding or something and people were going to Spain, like, that's too much to ask people to leave their kids at home for, like, you know, four days or whatever. But, like, if it's a wedding close by, then, yeah, I'd definitely get a babysitter. I'm cruel. <laughs> Well, as a mom to twins, if I was invited to a wedding, I'd love to go and just have me time. So, yes, I would like to keep them at home. But if it was a family, if it was my brother, I'd love, obviously, to bring them. But if it was just a friend, or no, leave them at home, get a babysitter. I would have family kids, maybe. I'd invite them along. And look, if the, if my friends said, look, I don't want to bring my own children, I want to just go and have, enjoy myself, then that's fair enough as well. I think up to a certain age, I don't think they should be there. But over a certain age, I don't, I wouldn't mind. Below 10, I wouldn't want them because I think they run around and run around. <laughs> I would in full I would say no to the service, no but to yes service. to the, perhaps the reception. But I think I'd say no, to be honest, just to... All the drama. It's a hard. It's your day. You've got to be selfish at the same time, do you know? The last wedding I was at, they had a separate room for the kids. So they had it organised in the hotel and all the kids were taken care of and they were all in together and they had a great laugh. And I think their parents could have a relaxing time as well. So that seemed to work. I invited kids to mine, but there probably weren't many kids in the family at the time. Um, and I have been to weddings that kids aren't welcome. I think if it's a relation, it probably doesn't go down well. But I think then if it's 
people who are attending a wedding and they get a day off I suppose realistically they get to go and relax and have the wedding and enjoy it so that's probably how it worked out so I've had a friend whose two kids were up on the altar while the ceremony was going on and I know the priest wasn't very happy when it happened but that's probably about it you know I think it's, it's your wedding you should do what you want yeah and I think nobody should have a problem with it yeah it's your wedding have what you want for your wedding day I wouldn't be pissed off if somebody said no kids I've been to weddings with kids and I've been to weddings with my own kids and yeah it's fun but it's not as much fun as without the kids for yourself personally because you've got to mind them <laughs> you know but no, I don't kids think at a wedding the no they don't no, no they definitely don't they're the no. first people on the dance floor so what if a kid is screaming in the church you take him out like yeah so. my child was in my arms crying for our whole ceremony so yeah she was frightened of the crowds and didn't want to get down so, but like it was funny all yeah. photographs yeah. of her crying of her verbal bawling yeah it's your day do you decide want. and yeah. if someone has a problem with this then they shouldn't they be going anyway yeah yeah we just we just went to a wedding uh where we weren't allowed to bring baby and uh, it's nice because it's a built-in excuse to not be responsible yeah, for a day yeah, to get a babysitter <laughs> and we want to enjoy the day and not be worried about plus i think if you're getting married and you hear a bunch of kids screaming in the background it <laughs> might it might make you not want to have children so today's our wedding we are, anniversary yes, yeah. fourth wedding yeah. anniversary yeah. yeah so this day four years ago did you have children at your wedding no the, no one under seven, seven and they were in our wedding only kids were our ring bearer and our flower girl. Like, Everyone else was an adult. That was yep. it. All adults, yeah. Yep. I think I would say maybe like, okay, but maybe there's like a cutoff time, like no kids past eight or no kids past nine or something like that. I don't know. I think that um, when, I know when we were planning, at the end of the day, we didn't really care who came. We just wanted to get married. So it's kind of like, sorry, then, I'm, then I'll see you when I get back, you know, when I get married. If or you just can, show if you up can't with the get baby t- and no one's going to tell you no. <laughs> <laughs> The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Alison, good morning. Morning, how are you? Well, thank you. We've been following your story on RSVP Live, your incredible achievement. Um, don't know if you're finished yet, but you went from a size 22 to a size 14, which is a massive size drop yeah. and weight drop yeah. as well. So dropping sizes means you must have dropped an incredible amount of weight. Is that right? Um, yeah, I've I've lost, I suppose, near enough to, I suppose, four stone again. Um, I've done it all before, but unfortunately have kind of gone backwards on it. But um, yeah, I'm in a really good place at the minute, I suppose, with the size dropping, the weight has dropped as well. Um, it's been a long all road, to be mm-hmm. honest, to kind of get to where I am at the minute. Um, just with, um, like, I have a binge eating disorder mm-hmm. as well, that I'm really only kind of starting to get help with now. Something I've, I suppose, I've battled the last 15 years with as well. Um, so I'm in a much better place. I'm getting the help that I need as well, um, through therapy. And um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm doing really well. I'm really looking after myself as well. I suppose, which is the main thing. Um, and I suppose once the the head and the the food and the the body are all working together, mm. um, results will follow as well. Yeah, as you say, I mean, you had dropped it before at one stage from seventeen and a half to around about twelve and a half, and God knows, yeah. you know, you really did put in an awful lot of effort. I know you were with uh, yeah. Slimming World, you were with Herbalife, yeah. you tried pills, yeah. you tried drops. Um, yeah, uh, and yeah. This was, I, I tried everything. Yeah. I tried everything, I suppose, out of pure desperation as well. And I suppose really, Neil, there's just no, there's no quick fix. Um, and I've really kind of only started to understand that in the last couple of months is that I it doesn't happen overnight. 
it does take hard work and determination to get to where I am now. And every day is a battle. Like I'm not going to say yeah. you wake up every morning and you're in the zone. You have to prep yourself for that as well. You have to want it every day to, in order to achieve it. I know, but you you had huge success with with Slimming World. Um, yeah. Why did you change from Slimming World to calorie counting? I think that's what you decided um, upon, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that's correct. So basically, um, I I, start, I rejoined Slim World um January twenty twenty um just before lockdown hit, and you know I was doing really well. I was losing the weight slowly, um, and like I'm not, I've never lost three four pounds every week. It's always been a pound, two pounds, which to be honest is more realistic. But I kind of found um by maybe the time June, I think it was about June, I was really struggling um with my stomach and just general digestive issues and. Like, I was really, really suffering from really bad bloating. and Did like, you find you know, then that I, you had intolerances? Did you get that checked? Yeah, so I actually went and got a test in August. Now, I had spoken to my GP about it. Um, they're not so much for it because, you know, they were kind of just... Like, my GP would just said to me, like, just be very careful because you can, you can really... Um, I suppose you can really like dive in and, and develop on stuff that you can't really have to ease ra- rather than focusing on stuff you actually can have. And I did have that moment where I was like, oh my God, I can't have this, I can't have that. And I really struggled with that at the start. But then I was like, I I can have so much more different types of food. Yeah. But I did find that um, a lot of foods that I was eating um, that really upset my system, I was intolerant to. So things like wheat, things like dairy, um, onions, which is in nearly everything, um, mushrooms, cauliflower, like a lot of foods that I've been eating every single day on Slimming World. So I don't know for anyone that is familiar with Slimming World, you have an A and a B choice. Your A choice is your calcium intake, and obviously not having dairy, I have to think of different alter- alternatives. But, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm sure, I'm sure you did. But the wheat and the dairy was that giving you cramps and pains and things? Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. it was. Yeah. yeah, and like you know, I was, and I really struggled with that as well, and. You know, even just like like too much information, but just tr- generally trying to go to the toilet. Like, I mean, there could be two, three weeks, like, and that just wasn't. It just wasn't good for me. So I knew two or three weeks between between going to the loo. Yeah, wow. yeah, I was in a very bad way. My God, yeah, I've never heard that before. Oh my yeah, God, in a very bad way with it, and like. You know, and it was like, yeah, grand, I listen back to this now and I'll be absolutely mortified for saying something no, like that. But it's no, the truth. No, like, it's these the are truth. the things. No, I mean, you've been very yeah. honest and open. I mean, you have, you've refer, yeah. you refer as well to the eating disorder, which I, which I assume you're talking about binge eating. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, like with the binge eating. And like, I mean, that's been going on like 15 years. I, I Like before Christmas, I, I had a chat with my GP about it and I was like, look, I really think this is something that I just need to sort now. And, you know, there are obviously services out there and phone numbers like BodyWise. And, and did anybody, I mean, did you work out with anybody what was triggering that? Um, I suppose really, like with eating disorders, it comes down to your mental health and bottom line is that's where it starts from. There might be some sort of trauma from childhood or, you know, just general men- mental health issues. So I, I have suffered from mental health issues over, I suppose it would say the last, since I've probably been 16, 17, my weight probably would have had a lot to do with that. Yeah. My confidence and, you know, just not feeling 100% of myself. So, yeah, um, I, I see, I know, see from the article where there were, you were, that you were struggling from about nine. I think one of the first times that you noticed perhaps was, was getting a communion dress and it went from a communion dress then yeah. to um, yeah, perhaps to getting a, a Deb's dress. dress and then yeah. trying to get a dress for somebody's wedding. All of these key important times in your life. 
That's it. And obviously, I suppose, as an eight or nine-year-old going communion dress shopping in the city with my mom, like, you know, at the time, I wasn't aware of what was actually going on. I mean, there was, I think there was only one shop and I, that was all I, a choice of one dress. There was no choice. There was, and you know, I suppose yeah. the people, like my, my parents and, you know, obviously, like the education wasn't there. Like, that's what, how many years ago was that? Like, that was probably 18 years ago now. Yeah. But like, the education isn't there for the parents either. And like, you know, my mum would always say, oh, that's just puppy fat. Or all my aunties like, that's just puppy fat. That'll fall off you now over the next didn't. couple it, of years. You know, it, it never did. No, it never did. No. And how did you feel at the Debs? Because you... You struggled at your debts, didn't you? You felt. I think you said that you were you were suffocating in your own skin because you were self conscious yeah. at your debts. Is that it? I was, yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm. I suppose I'm constantly comparing myself to others, and I always have done that. And you know, everyone around me was so much smaller, and like you know, they just looked so much better than me. And I suppose when it comes back to like the whole puppy fat thing, I never lost it. I used to gain probably a stone a year when it came to my debts, even though I was part of the debts committee in in planning it. I actually. I I did not want to go like there were so many times where I nearly was like I'm not going I'm not going to tell anyone you know and I didn't want to go dress shopping that was the last thing I wanted to do I didn't yeah. want the same disappointment at the time like obviously with the whole community thing I wasn't aware of it at the time but looking back on it I realised what actually happened there wasn't a dress to fit me in the city you know, oh, I know. and oh, I, know. I did not want the same feeling for the Debs for my Debs shopping so I ordered one online purposely a lot bigger than I needed it um, just in case I had that fear of that disappointment again and like it's it's been a long road um, to get to where I am now yeah like, because I, some I, of the diets actually where you were hoping to lose weight believe it or not yeah. even on diets you were putting on yeah. the weight and 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 a lot of yeah, that could have been the yeah. food intolerance you know uh, exactly I mean like don't get me wrong there's been some gyms that I've gone to and they've put me on 1200 calories and like for me I felt obviously very restricted um, on those sort of calories they're very low like I think someone said to me the other day like a child of whatever age should be eating like 1200 calories not an adult not a growing female who has hormones you need more food than that um, so I yeah I've been on very like low restrictive diets like that where games are like you, you only can eat 1200 calories you're not going to lose the weight but obviously then they might have given me a protein shake that had like whey powder in it I know, yeah. and, and I can't I'm intolerant to whey powder and did the, so uh, then, did the restricted calories then lead to binge episodes yeah, yeah. it did uh, yeah, yeah it sure. made, yeah. to be honest like if I feel restricted in any way um, for however long I that does trigger a binge unfortunately it does and like to say it out loud now like and I've look it wasn't until recently I, I spoke briefly about it on my Instagram that like you know this is one of these things that just isn't spoken about enough and you know you'll hear a lot more people kind of talk about anorexia and bulimia because it's especially anorexia it's a little bit more noticeable whereas when they see there's a thing with sizeism they see someone who you know is overweight and they're like well if you just eat less and move more and that's the magic potion and and yes Here's, yes, that is scientific, you know. It no, is, but, he, but he, absolutely, because here's an example of a young woman who tried numerous, no, never gave up yeah. trying. You know, you were trying and yeah. trying, and you really were very disciplined yeah. about it. So you're coming in now at about 13.8, 13 stone 8. I don't know what that is in kilos, but are you happy and yeah. comfortable now when you look at yourself in the mirror? Um, some days better than others, being honest. Like, some days I wake up and I feel brilliant, I feel amazing, I feel confident. And then I have bad days where I look at myself and I'm like, I hate my body, like I'm picking out flaws and everything. Um, you know I your body doesn't define you, you know that. 
It doesn't. And, I, and that's what I was going to say is that my body doesn't fi- define me. The amount of weight that shows on the scales doesn't define me. The size of clothes that I'm in does not define me. But I suppose I've, I've got to this point now where I've only started to realise this now. And I don't think, like someone said to me the other day, what's your ideal weight? I don't have one. I know. I, I'm not, I've I spent so long being so infatuated with a number on a scale I want to get to this weight and I've come so far and I go backwards because I end up self-sabotaging like as if I feel I don't deserve it but I know now that I deserve this and that I will get to my goal I don't know what my goal is yet but I will I just want to be a better person I want to be more confident I want to be more comfortable in my own skin and bottom line and no amount of weight is going to dictate that I have to find that happiness myself you know and do you Um, mind me asking if you have letting it control me do you mind me asking if you have the binging under control now I do yeah I do and like being honest with you now like because um, I fractured my hip there last week. Ouch. Well, a bone oh. in my hip um, last Tuesday, you know. Um, so this is a bit of a setback for me and this will be a massive test. But I do I do have it under control. Um, obviously, I can't go to therapy at the minute um, because I can't drive. <laughs> and you can't but, go to the gym. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, and like, like it's fine though. I just, once my food is on point and once I have that under control and I feel like I'm in control in it that I know that I know that look the the therapy will be there in four or five weeks time you know the gyms will be there you know it, like it, look it's a matter it's a little blip in the road but I will I'll, I, I'll get through it it'll be fine absolutely and good luck with that but you don't deny yourself treats you don't finally no yeah. not at all not no, anymore I don't I just yeah. think it's very important because like I spend so much time restricting myself and then going on a restrictive and then a restrictive diet and then binging because of it. So I've kind of learned that um, I know my triggers, it's the evening. I need something in the evening just to, like, just a little bit of sugar. Like, you know, just if it's a a small bar of chocolate or something like that, I always, and I'm very open about that as well. I'm, you have to be able to enjoy it. If you're not, like, if you're eating chicken, lettuce and rice, for like the rest of your life you're going to be miserable you know there's you are in like <laughs> these times where I've refused I a slice of cake I you know, know. you know like you refuse what's life without a slice of cake, without a slice of cake? yeah or a small bar yeah. of chocolate from t- without a doubt it, yeah. Like, yeah let us you know, and it's not the, it it's not the end of the world either yeah. to have something like that you know as long yeah. and I do and I, I see track it as you calories. say track it into your calories going forward exactly isn't it, it. yeah, yeah. I, know, exactly. I need calories for the end of the day so that I can have something nice just keep me on track as well Good for you. Well, listen, I hope you're not in too much pain. You'll make a 100% recovery. People can obviously follow your journey on Instagram, Alison McMahon's page on Instagram, I guess, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's um, Alison's underscore journey underscore. So A-L-I-S-O-N-S underscore journey underscore. Good luck on that journey. Great to catch up. You're an inspiration. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Very honest, very open about as a young girl with poppy fat, issues involving uh, binge eating uh, and also embarrassment at social occasions and what she could and couldn't wear. Very, very open and honest and uh, good luck to you, Alison. You're great. You know, talking about Instagram, yesterday morning I was talking with uh, Claire on air. She was talking about how we deal with people who are going through psychiatric and mental, uh, mental issues with regards to how they feel, depression, anxiety, stress and of course, that had a lot to do with uh, Deirdre Morley's issues uh, that we spoke about yesterday. Uh, but Claire has uh, an Instagram page called A New Wellness, A New Well, A New Way Wellness, as an A N U 
Way Wellness. And I was looking through her Instagram yesterday uh, because she's posting some great stuff on it. And one thing attracted my attention with regards to body image. And it's a piece that she has up there. And it's amazing because you can read it down, right? And it gives you one message. But extraordinary, whoever wrote this, it's so very well written. When you read it backwards from the bottom up, you get a completely different narrative. Like it says, I'm very ugly. So don't try and convince me that I'm a very beautiful person because at the end of the day, I hate myself in every single way. And I'm not going to lie to myself by saying there's beauty inside of me that matters so much. Rest assured, I will remind myself that I'm a worthless, terrible person and nothing you say will make me believe I still deserve love because no matter what, I am not good enough to be loved and I'm in no position to believe that beauty does exist within me because whenever I look in the mirror, I always think, am I as ugly as people say? Now, that is the brain processing information in one direction. But if we can change the processing and if we can change and flip it into a reverse gear, this is what you get instead. Am I as ugly as people say? I always think because whenever I look in the mirror, beauty does exist within me. And I am in no position to believe that I'm not a good enough person to be loved. Because no matter what, I still deserve love. And nothing you will say will make me believe that I'm worthless, a terrible person. So rest assured, I will remind myself there is beauty inside of me that matters. And I am not going to lie to myself by saying I hate myself in every single way. Because at the end of the day, I'm a very beautiful person. So don't try to convince me um, I am very ugly. Same words, just in a different order. I mean, I think that's amazing. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And I'll get some more texts and emails on the air between now and midday. Interestingly, I see one there. I was talking about somebody who came to the aid of an 83-year-old man who got a blowout and needed the wheel changing the other day and uh, got a text in saying, would you please thank the people that stopped to help? Come on, Neil. What daughters or sons or family members lets an 83-year-old drive? Uh, can they not drop him? He's a threat to himself and everyone that uses the roads. Now, I think that's quite ageist. Uh, I mean, you know, I know people who are well past 83, 85, 86, 87, who are still driving. But does anybody else think that people in their 80s are a threat to themselves and everybody else that's on the road? Text 0868104106. And to those of you that have been texting about Belarus, can I just say, it's one here, you, you do know that this whole Belarus fiasco is going to have implications for A.D. Roach's charity and all the children to come to Ar- that come to Ireland from Belarus. Yes, I do. And it was on that basis that we actually contacted A.D. Roach this morning inviting her on the air to chat, but she uh, politely declined. She said there are no Irish people there. I was just wondering whether it was at risk to uh, Irish people in Belarus at the moment. She said, no, all of the volunteers and workers in Belarus are local. They are Belarusian. Uh, but she said because of that, she politely declined coming on air, and uh, and I left it at that. So I was in touch with uh, Eddie Roach and the Chernobyl charity this morning. Uh, after 10 and between now and midday, a couple of interesting conversations ahead. One, do you know, do you remember I was telling you yesterday about the court case involving Samantha Kennedy, who eventually admitted making 10 999 calls over the space of two hours, pretending to be a small child uh, and pretending uh, that um, there was sexual and physical abuse going on in a particular home. The guards called to the home, invoked Section 12 and removed the children from the family home. Now, Samantha Kennedy was before the court, as we know, yeah, and got suspended sentences for that. 
but I'll be chatting with the mammy of the kids a little later on this morning. And also, um, I'm catching up also with uh, Ian Bailey. He wants a review of his of the murder of Sophie Toscan de Plantier so that he can be ruled out finally, he says, and allowed to get on with his life. And he wants Drew Harris, who's a fresh pair of eyes, if you like, to look again at the entire case and to reinvestigate it. So we'll be chatting with uh, Ian Bailey later. And also the fact that very soon because his relationship has come to an end with Jules Thomas, he will find himself homeless. So all that and lots more besides. As well as that, a 500 euro voucher every day, courtesy of ourselves in the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road in Blackpool. It's your opportunity to scoop for yourself a 500 euro voucher. I'll be inviting you on air to talk on a topic uh, and uh, we will give you um, a topic and 30 seconds to talk on it and open the phone lines for that round about a quarter to midday today. Whoever does it best with the least amounts of ums, as uh, deviations or repetition wins the 500 euro voucher. So that's all to come. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Emerald Award winning music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeedy. Uh, yesterday, um, I got an email in from a Cork mum uh, who uh, was telling me by email about the devastation on learning how another woman was ma- making malicious 999 calls in which she was claiming to be this Cork mum's daughter, pretending to the guards to be the daughter. Uh, claiming suffering sexual and physical abuse. Now, the guards then um, called to the home, and you'll hear about that in a few minutes' time, and temporarily removed the children from the care of their mother. Um, That led to a court case in which Samantha Kennedy, age 31, admitted to those calls, uh, purporting to be a a young girl, claiming that they were suffering physical and sexual abuse. And as I say, the two children were living with their, their mother in Middleton, was then taken out of the house in the early morning under Section 12 powers. It was before the courts um, and uh, she was found guilty. She had 10 previous convictions and she had additional charges relating to, you know, the malicious calls. She also had public order charges and previous convictions for assault. Um, She was fined for the two public order offences and got a suspended sentence of five months and three months in relation to the uh, malicious phone calls. But those sentences were were suspended, as I say, for two years. So a bit of a slap of the wrist going on there. And she said that, um, uh, she said that I feel really bad for doing it, Your Honour. If I could take it back, I would. So yesterday afternoon, I caught up with ma'am the mother of the children, and I literally, because it was better to chat with her rather than uh, reading out her email. Uh, and I'm grateful to her for, for chatting with me. I asked her just to talk us through exactly what happened. So what happened is I was asleep in bed and my phone rang, private number. Normally I wouldn't answer private number, but um, so I answered the phone and it was Angus Street station saying, look, the guard here at your door, would you mind going down answering? So I said, yeah, no problem. What's this about? Uh, oh, it's about your daughter. So I said, okay, fine. Um, what time was so this at? It was half six in the morning. Okay, okay. So so I went down to the door and there was two guardy at my door and they had said that my daughter had been uh, making calls. And I said, my daughter's in bed. And she's been in bed since eight o'clock the previous evening, you know, and she doesn't know, she doesn't have the comprehension to make phone calls. And I showed them my call log and they said, well, look, your daughter's making calls. Um, So I went upstairs and I got my daughter out of bed to show that she was in bed. And um, 
this uh, who else is in the house and at the time my partner had stayed over the night before um so i said my partner is here so oh so the guardy asked could they see his phone and he had actually lost his phone on bus Aaron that morning or that tuesday and i had the emails from bus Aaron on my own phone to show the guardy that he had lost his phone that the only phone in the house was my own and so they said oh look well under the child care act um, we're taking the children. This needs to be investigated due to the nature of the calls. So I rang. I rang. I asked them if my mother could come up because my mother would be a great support to me, and she helps me with a lot of the appointments and a lot to do with the kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother came up anyway, so they went off out. Um, how how did daughter, you feel at this stage? What was going through my, your mind? I was shocked. They told me my daughter had been making calls. They didn't tell me the nature of the calls then. Um, it was too slow that taught me later on um, but they said look there's there's serious calls being made mm. we need to take the children mm. to investigate this um, my heart was broken my daughter you see um, myself and my, my their father had split so it has always been me and my daughter and mm. um, she's my baby you know she it's always been me and her and she stood at the door going mommy mommy no my mom you know, she had very little words at the time. Her speech was terrible. We thought she was going to be nonverbal. Um, but she crying at the door going, Mommy, Mommy, I want my mum. And the guard, saying then, oh, we'll put on the sirens. And I sing back to them, they're both autistic. They don't like loud noises. They won't like that, you know. Um, so it was, you know, they, they left anyway. So I went into the kitchen and I started crying because I didn't know what else to do, you know. And my partner was sitting there going, I don't know what to say to you. And I said, I don't know what to say to me either. That was my reply. I I don't know, <laughs> you know. There was nothing you could say. And you still had so, no indication apart from phone calls as no, to what was going on, that, alleged to have been no, made nothing. by your daughter. Okay, now the two kids are gone. It's what, seven in the morning or whatever. What did you do next? Uh, it was no, it was nearly eight because the guardie were making phone calls of what to do and where to okay, go. Okay. And then because they had come up in an unmarked car, they needed to switch out to a marked car or something like that. Or I could it could be reverse. Okay. Um so they needed other guardie to come up to switch out and things like that. So now the kids are gone, I'm sitting down and my first thought is, do I need a solicitor? <laughs> do I need legal aid? I didn't know, like, um, but the guardian had told me to hold tight and wait for Tusla to be in contact with me. And so the morning is just a bur- blur. There, I, I don't have much recollection of that morning. A blur, yeah. Um, so Tusla did ring about half ten and then my father had come down to drive me up to Tusla. Um, because I don't drive myself and I needed to get there now. I needed to get this sorted now. I, the, the only thought I do remember having is I need to get my kids back. I need to get this sorted. Mm. And then we got up to Tusla and they were so helpful now. I Tusla get an awful bad rap, like, but they are so helpful. So helpful. Actually, so you're, the se- you're the second interview in the matter of three or four days where different people have been very, very much praiseworthy of Tusla's work. So that's good to hear. Go ahead. Yeah, no, they were absolutely fantastic now. And they set us down in a room and they were like, look, due to the nature of the calls, um, I was, do, they asked us, sorry, what, uh, d- why are you here? And I said, sure, I don't know. The guards just said that that I was, my son was be- beating my daughter and I was neglecting her or something, you know. And they were, no, you were after being accused of physically and sexually abusing the two children. And 
I, 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 I just went into shock. I was what? They were, yeah. I was, I was like, oh my god, no! I, I'd never harm my children. I don't. I, I never would. You know, they're like, they could see the genuine reaction on my face. You know, and they were like, well, look. They listened to my side of the story, and I had said to them at the time, if there was anything at miss, I said one of the one of the doctors, my kids say somebody would have picked up on something. You know, I wouldn't put them in harm's way. And they write who, what clinics are your children under? And I said, two A4 pages later of names and numbers of doctors and clinics and everything that my children are under. And they were like, okay, fair enough. That's fine. So I was like, when am I getting my children back? When is this going to be sorted? So they explained that we need to make sure the tests come back clear, all clear. Um, if the tests come back all clear is what they kept saying to me. And I said, it's not if, it's when, because I've done nothing to my children, mm. you know? And um, then doctors, uh, we done, I signed the consent forms in front of Tusla, but it, the doctor was on the phone to read out the terms and conditions of the, the, the consent forms for the tests to be and done wh- on the children. Where were your kids now as you're chatting with Tusla? Where were they? C-U-H with my mother and two Gardy. Okay, okay. And did you get a chance to talk to them when they were there or anything? Were they asking no. questions, your your kids? No. <laughs> my my mother told me my son was telling the nurse that he wanted chips and sausages and toast for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, he's a character. He's His a good priorities character. are right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah. they did. They were oblivious to what was going on. And when the tests were being done, um, my son... He has no filter. <laughs> he he just it's it's just his nature, and a lot of it's to do with the autism. And they told him it would just tickle a little bit. And he he when it, the tests were done, he said, "Well, that didn't tickle at all. <laughs> I take these kind of things very seriously." And <laughs> he's he's a character, like yeah, okay. Um, so they did whatever tests they need to do. I think yes. we can. I think we can all imagine, understand why they did the tests and what they were checking. Oh, hundred percent. Okay. 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 All right. So, and next, what happened then? I signed the consent form for my daughter first. um, And then I went downstairs to get a coffee because I was running on sheer adrenaline at this stage, you know. And um, then they rang me saying, oh, would you mind coming back up? We need a consent form for your son also. So I said, oh, yeah, that's no problem. Um, So I went up and I signed the next consent form. Uh, like I had no issues and I was told that they thought that they were going to have to get an emergency sitting in front of a judge to get the signatures and I I was like no because I know nothing happened I have any signature you need I have nothing to hide you know um, absolutely shocked at this stage so after I signed that they okay you can go home now we shouldn't need to call you back we let you know what's going on as soon as we know you know mm. so um Grand, I went home. That was fine. Sitting down, I the day again is a blur. I don't remember what I'd done at home. All I remember is getting home, and after that is a blur. Um, so later on in the evening, my friends had called up to make sure I was okay and I was doing all right, you know. And um, they dropped me down to my mother's just to wait for them to come home because I'd live at one end and she'd live at the other, you know. Did your mother and know at this stage now of the, the allegations? Yeah, she obviously... My knew. mother knew, my mother knew that morning, you know. Yeah. How, did she, how did she react to that? It, do you know what? It was an awful shock because she knew I wasn't going to 
harm my children. She okay. knows what I'm like with my children. Yeah, okay. Uh, anybody who's seen me with my children, I have had professionals tell me that I'm very in tune with them. I'm, I'm, I've a fantastic bond with them, you know? So my mother knows that she's, like I said, great support and been to these appointments where they have all said I'm very in tune with my children. And when did and the, when did the Garda Shikona come back to you and say that, you know, what, what happened? Because not everything was making sense, yeah? Um, the next day, I heard nothing more from the guards from that morning until uh, the next day when I had to come in and make a statement and sign a consent form that if they needed to interview the children, that they could. Okay. But at some stage, right, um, the Gardaí investigated what turned out to be 10 999 calls over the space of two hours between yeah. just after half four in the morning and half six in the morning on February fourteenth, yeah. why do they? Was because they had your phone, they had your partner's phone. They from what I I've never heard the recordings. I've asked and I was told, look, all you need to hear is physically and sexually abused. Each phone call is meant to be worse than the last. From what the guardie said, they said in the, the especially the main guardie dealing with the case, she said that in all her years. She's never dealt with a case so severe. This um, was not... Uh, they they did have recordings, but they were not made by a child. Certainly no child of yours, no child at all, but by an adult putting on a child's voice. Yes, did that's the, correct. Did the guards tell you all of that? They told me that when I went in for the interview after all the tests came back all clear. And I... The numbers, the phone calls came in off private number. Um... So they were able, they weren't able to tell who made the phone calls, but also the phone had no SIM card in it, so they couldn't trace a number. So realistically, they, I, I had suggested, was it her? Because myself, their father and her have had grief over the years. And um, I had suggested could have been her because, and they asked, why would she, why would she do something? So they they said as they, when they got the recordings back, She'd be known to Middleton Gardy as they got the recordings back. The more they heard her voice, the more they, the more they heard the recordings, the more they heard their voice. So brought her in for questioning in June, the June bank holiday weekend. Played the phone calls one by one. By the eighth, she admitted it was her. Okay, okay, that it was her, an adult, yeah. putting on a child's voice, um, claiming. Can, can I emphasise who could not speak at the time? Claiming to be uh, one of your children suffering physical and sexual abuse all lies all lies so that then resulted in you being told um what really happened how happened what did you feel when you were told the news upset anger a lot of anger like me like i could not leave my house the few months before we in between we didn't know who done it and who did um i could not leave my house because i was afraid of when i walked out who was judging me you didn't know me. you see who was making those claims you That's see it. Yeah. and where, was and it was it the talk of the town the village the countryside it had gotten to the school um uh, that the kids attended straight away and it was overheard in conversation in town um so of course then that was the week the kids were going on midterm so there was a week of nothing and then for until the following Monday week 
Um, and I'd go over and explain then to the principal because it had been spoken about at the school. And I'd explain to the principal what had been going on. And the principal explained to me like he had gotten the phone calls from the social worker. And he was absolutely shocked because, you know, he sees me walking my kids to school every morning. He sees me dropping them off no matter what the weather because they have to go to school, you know. And um, I'd have a good relationship with the school and the children because sure, they need the support. Absolutely. You know? And it's amazing, in fairness, the work that was done by social services and, and Tusla. But you were you were ashamed, mortified, embarrassed to go out that people were gossiping and talking about you. It's it's not that. See, I'm lucky that I am good with my children because even strangers on the main street can see that, you know. I wouldn't say embarrassed. I was when I found out who it was, I was very upset and angry. Um Again, yeah, mortified. I would use the word mortified that somebody could think such things of me. I'm not a bad person. You know, I would do nothing wrong in regards anyway, you know. Of course, this this ended up in court. You weren't in court, were you? No. Okay. Did you know that the court court case was coming up? I knew there was a court case coming. Um, I made my impact statement on June 18th last year. And I haven't heard anything since. Okay. Do you know if the impact statement was read out in court? No. Okay. Are you aware of the sentencing? I am, because I read it on the article. Yeah, yeah. Um, So she um, was uh, convicted on a few different things, because she had 10 previous convictions, in addition to charges relating to the malicious cause. She was also facing public order charges, and uh, had previous convictions, including six for assault. So there was a bit of there was a bit of previous there. But how do you feel about? I mean, the judge did say that this um, these calls that were made, pretending to be a child, making these horrid accusations about uh, about you, should merit a custodial sentence, which means jail time. However, she it's, got five months and three months suspended. It should be because uh, she does not realise the impact she's had on my family. I've had to explain why he got swabs. I had to explain why I can't leave his father see him because his father is going out with her and she put them in danger. You know, again, like I said, my son's very intelligent and is very clued in and he asks questions. There's a lot of things I don't I don't have the answer for. She did not see the fact that my daughter cannot leave my sight. She will not go with anyone because she thinks she's getting taken again. And, she, you know, so, I had to explain. Uh, she can't see it and she's after getting a slap on the wrist, like, you know. So, so your daughter gets upset, you were saying, at intervals when family take her because she thinks she's not coming back to you, is it? Yeah. 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 And for the whole time, she, she'd be down at her nana's house. I want my mom. I miss my mom crying for her mother. Because, like I said, I'm all she knows. I'm all she, you know, it's always been me and her. Like, And when they ask you questions about the event or what it was all about, you, you, you can't process the answers. I don't have them for them because I don't know why that was done. I, I Like, at the time, myself and their father were getting on great. You know, um, you know it, like, I'd say something if it was a retaliation to a fight me and him have had, but it wasn't. You know, we were getting on fantastic and... That was that came out of nowhere, came completely out of the blue. Like, so do you believe that there should have been a jail sentence? I do. I do not feel that justice was served at all. the The impact it's had on my immediate family has not been seen or 
by a judge or by anybody. It's not been seen. It's not been taken into account, and she gets a suspended sentence in probation. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like you know? the the judge said, the idea of ringing Gardaí when they're extremely busy, uh, pre-planned, speaking in a child's voice doing it several times is pre-planned. However, she did apologise. She said, I feel really bad for doing it, Your Honour. If I could take it back, I would. That's not an apology. It's not quite an apology. It's more like I feel really bad, but not I'm sorry. Maybe maybe she did say I'm sorry at some stage. Do you know? I don't know. Well, she certainly hasn't said it to me or my children, and she has passed me on the streets a few times. And no apology? Not once. once. I get a dirty look, but I don't get an apology. Just a look, but no apology. Yeah. Do you think justice was done? No. Not by my children and not by me. Do you know if there will be a file on this with your name attached to it or will it be expunged from Pulse or the Tussler records? I'd say that will probably leave a mark. My name will definitely leave a mark up there because they even said themselves they've never heard of a case like this. And you say to this day, your life is turned upside down. Yeah, I have been put on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication because of this. I am working hard on myself. I am. I've been to counselling. I'm getting the work. I'm getting support for the children because I feel they need counselling. Um, first, they're traumatised, you know. I am. They, they... That is that has not been factored into her sentencing at all. You know, the recoil it's had on my, my family and my immediate family and my mother and sisters, you know. Yes, I can understand that. Incredible relief for sure, but also an awful lot of damage because of it. Yeah. It was incredible relief the day the Gardaí rang me told me they had caught the person who'd done it. And I will say that it was incredible. It was, you know, just so relieving going, I, I finally know, you know. I, I knew it, but I couldn't prove it. But now I have the proof, you know. And I honestly thought now for wasting Garda, a doctor and two slits time and resources, she would have got time. Why weren't you in court? Did you ever wonder as to why you didn't go? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about that. I should have been. I made an impact statement. It was about my children. I should have been notified that she was at least going to court. But I wasn't. And I, I haven't changed address and I haven't changed phone number. I can't change phone number anyway because too many doctors and clinics have it mm. for the children, you know. So there was means and ways of contacting me, but nobody did. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's um, like a lot of the time uh, a suspended sentence is like a kind of a slap on the wrist, isn't it? It is, it is. Uh, do, do you think it's, that? Do you think a lot of the time victims are forgotten about in sentencing? I think that yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Our side of the of the story was wasn't seen or heard. We weren't factored in. Well, can I just say thank you for giving us an opportunity to air and to share your side of the story. It is a horror. It's a nightmare. Never, ever should it happen to a parent or anybody to be accused of something no. like this in the wrong. But thanks especially so much for a lone parent with especially a lone parent that I 
have children with two special needs you know alone parent I'm only trying to do my best by them you know like with the two of them raising them everything has to be done by the book I have to if the doctors tell me to do something with the children I have to do it so the best outcome for my children comes and to be kicked when I'm already down was an awful disgrace um, if, if, you know under Irish jurisdiction I can't ask you as to what was motivated what you know what motivated these kind of calls well, honestly, un- un- I, my answer would be I don't know if you could ask because I don't know you don't even know yourself and that no. answers it thank you so much for taking the call I really appreciate it it's very important to hear your side of the story because you deserve to have your side of the story heard thank you thank you very much for, for having me very articulate ma'am very together makes her points very well um, your thoughts are welcome on that text 0868104106 because ma'am believes that a suspended sentence um, of five months and another one a suspended sentence of three months in relation to the cause both well they were in, they were let me just put it this way there were sentences of five months and three months imposed in relation to the cause but both were suspended for two years and she as in Samantha Kennedy was placed under the supervision of the probation service now ma'am believes that's not good enough uh, that uh, they have been left to deal with it to pick up the pieces we're talking about 10999 calls over a space of two hours uh, to the Garda Shikona uh, between uh, just after half past four in the morning and half past six in the morning on February 14th of last year. Could you, and they were patched through to Anglesey Street. Now, first, the amount of Garda time wasted, never mind the amount of Tusla time wasted uh, on top of all of this. Um, don't know if there, there wasn't a fine. Uh, there was uh, no bill to be paid uh, by the uh, convicted uh, person, Samantha Kennedy. Um, can you imagine, though, um, Gardy outside your door and your children asleep in bed and you up in bed at half past six in the morning, clearly just doing their job, incidentally, and we want the guards to go to homes where they think children are at risk, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, but at half past six to come down and to be met with that and those kind of accusations, I mean, it doesn't bear thinking about. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Okay, uh, just on the malicious calls. I mean, mal- malicious calls actually doesn't do justice to what was done. A much stronger word needed than that. Uh, the other thing is uh, the woman who pretended to be a child. What about all of the kids who have been in danger by doing this kind of thing? She's totally respecting or disrespecting all of those kids. Absolutely right. Can you imagine resources wasted? She should have been made to pay at least for all of the Garda time, all of the resource workers time, all of the doctors, all of the Tusla time, all of the court time at least. That would be a pretty bill if it was presented to her, wouldn't it? Uh, Why did it take uh, two hours or the tenth call for the guards uh, to get there? The calls were were within a a a two-hour period Um, and um, they probably got there within minutes of it, within minutes of the last call. I mean, let, let's not be critical of the guard activity in this. They got there ASAP, you know. I mean, it's not, we're sitting here uh, thinking, oh my, why did it take months for the guards to, I mean, let's be fair about this, you know. Let's be objective about it. The justice system in this country is a joke. That woman should get at least 10 years for what she caused to that girl and her children, says Regina. That mother should take a civil action, says somebody else. This poor woman, her children taken like this is absolutely traumatic. I cannot imagine what this did to her. 
that woman should have been locked locked up. Uh, the legal system and the system of justice here is absolutely ridiculous. Thank you, Neil, for airing that interview. Uh, it's about time people took to the streets over the judges in this country. They are a disgrace. They are worse than any politician. And that's saying a lot. Outrageous of that court. What's the point in actually attending court then? For that, not good enough with regards to sentencing, says Shiona. I will come back to those. Keep in common text 0868104106. I mentioned earlier on that I'll be chatting with uh, Ian Bailey a little later on uh, with the prospect of, among other things, for Ian Bailey, that he will soon be homeless because uh, there is nowhere to rent down in West Cork and it's not as if you can go overseas or anything. Prompted an email. Myself and my partner are living in a hap house with our two children. A girl aged 11 and a boy along with my partner's two other children. Boy is 16 and a girl of 13. They come to stay with us on weekends. Okay. Now we've been on the housing list for 10 and a half years and our landlord has recently sent us a three-month eviction notice because she is increasing the rent to nearly double of what it is a month. So doubling the rent and clearly she doesn't see you as being capable of paying that because of the HAP benefit and what have you. So you're out. Um, with this eviction notice and with HAP, we are at our maximum as to what we're receiving a month with uh, giving the remainder uh, to the landlord. Um, we're at our wit's end that we're going to become homeless with our children. And we are really very concerned for the welfare of our children. The kids go to school on the south side as I work there as well. We've been bidding on houses in the south side, failure after failure all of the time. We live on a main road with no back garden, nowhere for our children to play. As for the 1st of September, our lease is up. And we, at the moment, have nowhere to go after that. I'd really appreciate if there's any way at all possible we could get some help and I would really appreciate if you have anybody that could contact me in this urgent situation. We are just worried sick. I would be, actually, if you wouldn't mind, keep my details anonymous, but do get to read out the email if at all possible. You'd never thank you for that. I know it's a worry for you. And first of September, of course, you will be without a roof over your head. And that is not, that is something that nobody wants to go through. You would never know who might be listening might have a chat with you, might have something to offer. Of course, unfortunately, I hate using the words, but you could present as homeless. You shouldn't have to. And you would get emergency accommodation. I think you probably know that. But of course, that's not the solution you're looking for. So if there's anybody with property that might be able to chat with you and your partner um, and your kids, then I'll put them in touch with you. Of that, you can be sure. So pick up the phone on that, guys. one 850 106 text 0868-104-106. And just, just quickly, just another couple. Just wanted to let people know, Neil, that there's a group of about five boys. We've been talking about this kind of activity recently. group of five boys going around the north side. They're only aged between 9 and 14. They have dogs with them, and they're setting the dogs on children. They also have sticks, and one of the older boys has a knife on him. I wonder if that's related to this. My son was out with four of his friends on Friday. They're all 11 years old. They were out playing ball when a knife was put very close to one of the boys' faces. I know, I know. One of the boys started crying and was told, shut up or I'll stab you. Another boy's phone rang and he was told, turn it off or we'll take it. Another boy ran away, but in doing so, hit his head off a pole. All of these kids got an awful fright, as you can imagine. Every one of these kids are traumatized, and they have been since it happened. Isn't it so horrible to think now that summer is coming? I just hope this doesn't stop them from going out. All these five kids are good kids. As a mother, to watch your son terrified is just heartbreaking. What horrible times we live in. 
Don't give out my name because I wouldn't want trouble to come back to my son or any of his friends or to our front door. But just again, last Friday, four or five of them out playing ball, all aged 11, some character. Don't know who, don't know what age, probably young enough, puts a knife to one of the kids' faces. I mean, I mean, like, is that is that where we're at now? And as she says, with summer coming, will there be more of that? Will these kids ever go out and play again, even across the summer? Lines open, one 106 back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Kevin in East Cork makes an interesting comparison to recent court cases. He says they lock up a 66-year-old woman for the weekend for not wearing a mask, but they let that woman go free for wasting Garda time, wasting Tussler time, wasting hospital time, and the rest is nothing but a disgrace. That woman's character was, of course, damaged. Never mind the kids. Judges in Ireland need to get some kind of reality. Thank you for that text. 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. I see texts coming in on rent and HAP, and I will come back to those. One of them says, my God, Neil, if they're on HAP, then the landlord is not allowed to increase the rent that much. The maximum allowed is 4% increase per year. Yes, I think you're right in, in one regard. Can I just say my understanding of it is the lease is up in September. And they've been given their notice. So when the lease is up, they're out. The landlord or landlady can then do whatever he or she wants. The 4% is for a sitting tenant, I believe. 4% per year for a sitting tenant. If the, if the property is vacant and it's being relet, it's market value. It's whatever anybody else around is getting for rental properties. So if, say, for instance, it was eight or 900 a month and has been for a number of years, and now there's properties around that are getting fifteen and 1600 a month, my understanding is the landlord can go for the fifteen or 1600 That's where they're keen some of the times to get people out so they can just readjust the rent upwards to what the area and the market is dictating at the time. I'm open to correction on that, but I think that's my understanding of it. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Liz, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How Dub- are you? Dublin councillor, Fine Gael councillor says paying child benefit to all parents, irrespective of their income, is a subsidy for them to have sex. Your thoughts? I would agree. <laughs> and I know I'll be murdered. For I don't think you'd be murdered, but I don't think so. Anyway, I tell think, me why I you... I think, you know what it is, Neil? I think the way he worded it maybe in regard to having sex comes across a little cheesy. I what I think is really that everyone should be means tested. Anyone earning over fifty grand a year should not get child benefit because they can afford to look after the kids. And and um, children's allowance of one hundred and forty a month per child wouldn't make a blind dip bit of difference to somebody on a hundred grand or more kind of thing. No, no, no. That's just that's just peanuts. Like they could give that in a donation to a charity. But I think my big issue is. Uh, know from my own experience um, I'm not going to discriminate traveling just, just move around a little bit there because it's breaking up a bit <laughs> can you hear me I can hear you can go you ahead. hear me yeah, go ahead now sorry about that I, I, I know somebody that has nine children she's the traveling community Neil and the reason she has the kids is for the child benefit more so than anything it's not about the welfare ah uh, well I don't want to drill into anybody's personal life but can I be just how do you know that like have you been told that <laughs> she told me <laughs> I got spoken to her, I know her. 
It's not about it's it's about getting the money, like to have a good standard of living, a good standard of living. But like you're always about having having given children what they need. But imagine, I mean, it's not an easy job rearing nine kids just to get a grand a month. No, or twelve hundred a month, or whatever it is. Yeah, Neil, it depends how you rear them. We all have different standards, don't we? How we rear our kids and send them to school. And Do you believe like that some families have big families and lots of kids to? Boost the children's allowance. I do a hundred percent. A hundred and forty a month. Yeah, yeah. But you're like, you know what it is, Niall. You know what it is. We in Europe give. I lived abroad. We in Europe give the highest amount of child benefits per per month. You know, to our Irish kids. I must da- I must dig that. out the European Union list of child benefit amounts across the EU. I'd say the further east you go, the, the lower it gets. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I will get those stats. Uh, the payments um, should be means tested. Then, yes, it should be means tested. The or likes of people that are like, like Bono has had kids, and you know, like you know, stars and stuff that make so much money. They don't need child benefit. It's not going to make a difference to children. Can you refuse it, it then? I wonder. Yeah, but sure, why would you refuse money that you're entitled to? Well, morally, you might say, I'm not, I don't want it, I don't need it, give it to those. Ah, come on, Neil, we're living in Ireland, the morals are gone out the door when it comes to money. I think that's very, very clear. There's people out there that need child benefit and need more help financially from the government with kids, especially people with kids with special needs. Um, to be assessed and stuff like that. That's how I see it. Okay, so so means test the dole for those that don't need it. Restrict yeah. it to people who have big families as well, who are ha- who are who are having big families to get children's allowance. Are you also saying that? Well, it depends on what they use it for. If you have a big family and you've got two or three kids that are on the spectrum. You know what I mean? That that needs special help and stuff like that and special resources and all of that. And they need more money. Why not do that? Why not let the government give them families more? Double the child benefit. Here's some interesting text. Your thoughts on this are welcome. What about the parents who have no children's allowance and children in sixth year in school, still another year of school and fees and leaving cert, no children's allowance because of their age. It should be paid till the month they leave school. Another one. I think it's a disgrace that some mothers call single parents allowance dicky day. It's disgusting. Another one. I do not agree. It helps to pay the exorbitant childcare costs in Ireland. I'm currently on unpaid parental leave as my creche doesn't take babies under 12 months. But when I return to childcare, costs will be over 450 a week, which is like 1800, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. 1800 yeah. a month. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I thought yeah. child benefit was already paid to people in need. Why would we pay everyone? There are people mm-hmm. who probably wouldn't even notice the 140. Why can't we move that in support of poorer families? Um, no, child benefit is not paid to people in need. It's paid to everybody. Yeah. But, uh, you know what it is to me while I have you on the phone also? Um, a lot of shops and lady shops and b- boutiques will have special offers on the first day that the child benefits out. Like what? The first Tuesday. Like, you know, having to say, like, like when the child benefit comes out, it's the first of the month. I'm not sure. Um, special offers in shops for, for women and parents to go out and spend it on themselves. That's not happening in the situation, really. Like on what? Fags? Booze? Makeup? No, boutiques. 
mile boutiques, clothes shops and stuff like that, that may be 25% off, 50% off because they know that the, the mother will have money this child benefit day. But, that, but it doesn't say on the window, child benefit sale. No, they put it on, they time it every time at the same month. Is that, that, is is that right? Knowledge. Really? That is common knowledge, seriously. And the way I look at it is with me, with my two girls, the, the, the child benefit was saved every month for their education. And they were lucky they got to UCD and DCU and they got a very good education at the child benefit. And the child benefit educated them? Yes, it did. Because that was for them. And if they had needs, then that, you know what I mean? I needed to take money out. We did it. I was a single parent too. But luckily, you know, I, I, I managed. I planned it well. So, But if, for instance, child benefit wasn't going to people who were millionaires and given more to you, it would yeah. improve your lot. Yes, it would give your children better chances in life. Like education is your wealth. We all want our kids to have an education, to have a career, to have a future. You know what I mean? So, as I said, there's more and more kids nowadays with issues, whether it's mental health. I work in an area with young people, so I'm very aware of that. You know what I mean? Coming from disadvantaged families, not getting chances in life. Do you work with any who are going to school hungry? Well, that hasn't been spoken about, but we have do we would do afternoon clubs and stuff, and maybe morning breakfasts. We've done things like that to help the kids. Yeah, I would be aware of it. So maybe more money should be spent on hot meals in schools for children. Yes, from disadvantaged families. Niall, the children are our future. You know, we need them to be healthy, responsible adults that are empowered and nurtured and loved and driven. You know what I mean? You can never put enough money into Okay, okay. And just on, yeah. you talk about special offers on the first Tuesday. Didn't I hear of, yeah. of also pubs and restaurants put in some areas would put on possibly. specials on, on that day as well for Children's yeah, Allowance po- Day? Possibly. It's very, it's common knowledge, seriously. Child Benefit Day is coming and shops are all putting specials on because they know the mother will have the money. It's not only right. the, the mother that would have it, yeah. Okay, so, thanks for that, Liz. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking the call. Text to at 68104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, it would be good to get our hands on the child benefits um, paid uh, in different countries within the European Union. And there's also some statistics then as to the amount of child benefit that's paid within the country going overseas. So it'd be good to get those stats and when I do, I'll come back to it. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Massive response to conversations yesterday and indeed Friday with regards to the deaths of those beautiful children, the hands of their mother, Deirdre Morley, who was found not guilty by reason of insanity. It's a failure by government that a partner is not informed of a spouse's medical treatment or involved in the treatment because of medical confidentiality. It's a failure. The very same can apply to children over 16. A parent isn't informed of the child's medical condition or treatment. This needs to change immediately. Thank you, Jerry. Family will always be family, won't they? And a child will, even after they grow up, they'll still be your child. Thank God we are not insane. That lady's illness caused this awful act. Not the loving mum. Three little darlings will always watch over their mom, says Joan. Listening to the topic is devastating. I myself have been in a position where I wanted to end my children's life and my own life. This does not happen overnight. This was months of depression and weeks of planning on my part. I felt I had no way out and listening to this story hurts my soul. I'm terrified 
as it was not that long ago. I'm now questioning the treatment I should get around this as considering the detrimental nature of how severe it is. This could just as easily be me that you're discussing today. My heart is broken for this family but also for the mother, as I know this is the darkest place I have ever been. Now, that's another one of those alarming texts. I had another one yesterday, and we got in touch with the person, the lady who sent in that text, wondering, was, had she spoken to anybody, and was there any intervention or help? And she said yes, that her GP um, was aware of her situation and was making the appropriate actions and plans. And um, I also would ask that of this texter, you know, where you say, I have been in a position where I wanted to end my children and my own life, uh, and it takes months of, of, it took weeks of planning. I, I just would love to know, where are you at now? Um, are you still feeling that way? Does anybody know how you're feeling? Have you spoken to anyone, a friend, a family member, a GP, anyone? Have you called a helpline? Do come back and let me know. I'm not being invasive now. Uh, I just want to see if there's, uh, you know, when you, when you text me, I imagine you are perhaps in a position where you wouldn't mind getting some help and getting well. Um, hi, Neil. This is Seamus. I spoke to you on the air on Friday. Seamus was suggesting that Deirdre Morley should have gone to jail. He said, I didn't mean to be insensitive to the family at all. My struggle is grappling with the fact that a judge can adjudicate you as insane and then send you home. I believe that Deirdre should be kept in care under medical supervision, not sent home. To put perspective on my reasoning, imagine a scenario like this. The woman might be out one day and perhaps see another child playing in the park that looks similar to one of her own. What is to say that she may go into a psychotic state again uh, there and then, believing that kid to be her own child and maybe commit another act of horror? Do you see where I'm coming from? Well, yeah, I, I do. I do. I see where you're coming from. Insane or not, she should never see the light of day until she dies. It was pure evil, like possession, says Kiron. Uh, to the woman on the radio saying depression shows by a messy house, which I also thought interesting, I suffer from depression and severe anxiety. I'm medicated for it. It's a daily struggle. If you met me or set, step foot in my house, you would never guess. It's always sparkling. I always have a smile on my face. Only for my GP, my therapist, my fiancé and my parents knowing what I go through, people would think I'm ma- making up my mental health issues. I am not. Yes, yeah, somebody said that one of the signs of depression or anxiety or people going through psychiatric episodes is a messy house. And I stopped and I said, I that can't be the case. I mean, you could equally have a, a house that's absolutely pristine or somebody who would be just uber uh, clean and tidy. Uh, I believe she got the correct treatment from the courts. The public should be compassionate. But if it were the father, he would be doing life and would be castigated by the public. And just one or two more, uh, this side of 11. The big problem in this country now is with psychiatric illness is that there is no talk of therapy. Uh, GPs diagnose depression in 10 minutes and medicate. They seem to keep looking for the magic pill while funding Big Pharma. Every conflict uh, has been resolved through talking, surely. This is the first port of call talking as opposed to medicating and we have absolutely no aftercare service in this country they deem you well enough to go home and the minute you walk out the door you're forgotten about aftercare like everything is always uh, the key Uh, i'm working in the same place uh, as the dad and on the days his kids were killed i remember passing him on the way out and he said to me enjoy the weekend little did he know what he was facing that night when he went home um, thank you for that. I believe that Andrew was down in Cork at a meeting on the day. On your listeners' questions as to whether a significant other would not be truthful, having worked in psychiatry myself, patients do the same. Thus, a major part of the mental health professionals 
uh, role is to identify contradicting statements. People rarely uh, tell the same lie identically as notes are taken during the consultations. Inconsistent, inaccurate statements are spotted quickly. Next to kin or significant others' perspectives are often more objective and extremely valuable to provide a holistic view on the client's situation. The client is often very subjective. And that's from a psychiatrist's point of view. Lots more like those. Back after 11. Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat and my... Mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. So many texts. Trying to keep up with them. Also, this week, in association with the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road, we have 500 euro vouchers to give away every day. One 500 euro voucher a day. You'll be talking on a topic. Three people on air around about 10 minutes to midday. I'll give you a choice of topics. Well, I won't really. I'll give you a number and you'll get that topic. And you'll talk on it then for 30 seconds without interruption, deviation, ums, ahs or pauses. I know there will be, but whoever does it best wins the 500 euro voucher courtesy of ourselves and the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road. 40 years in business and free delivery. And also they're telling me that they do free removal of your old furniture and they don't charge for assembly or putting stuff together. So the assembly is free. The removal of all furniture is free and free delivery. Support local, the furniture centre on the Watercourse Road at Blackpool. So we'll open the phone lines, phone lines around about a quarter to midday. Lines open on that and lots more besides text 0868104106. Until you go through something like what Deirdre Morley went through, nobody knows what it feels like. As someone suffering with depression and anxiety at times, I've thought it would be better for me not to be here. Thankfully, I've been supported by my GP and family and I'm still here today. D. Morley needs help not people's judgment. Uh, another interesting one for you. I would just like to say I agree with your conversation with Una Butler yesterday who lost her daughters, of course. Uh, my wife and I have been involved with the mental health system for 10 to 12 years dealing with my wife's illness. If my involvement wasn't allowed, she wouldn't be where she is now. To say the grim side, she may not be with us. I have had constant contact and updates from themselves and without my involvement, she would just pawn them off during the sessions and say all is fine and say all the right things. I understand how some loved ones or family members may take advantage or manipulate it to their advantage like people suggest, but I think someone should be involved. Someone should be informed. When a person is suffering from the illness, they may not always be conveying the correct picture and not even be aware of their day-to-day activities. So they may not even know themselves. So it can then be important to have another person who spends all of their time caring and looking after them to voice their concerns and views on the events. Doctors can only work and treat with all the information and not just the little pieces. Thank you for that. But I wonder why is it, why are you involved in it? I mean, is it okay if there's agreement or I thought it was, would take a legislative change for you to be allowed to go to the sessions and sit in on the counseling and sit in with the psychoanalysis. Um, Yesterday, of course, the worry was that some family members, if they were allowed to be involved in the care, they might manipulate it, it manipulate the situation to their advantage. Anthony was making the point uh, that what we used to call our lunatic asylums in the days of old 
were full of people who shouldn't be in there and didn't want to be in there. Listening to your show, it brings back a lot of feelings and memories of my own mental health battles. It's great that you guys are talking about it. I hope it helps someone as there are so many people dealing with this who just will not talk. Uh, I have a mental illness which I control through medication and lifestyle. My mother had the same condition, but she never acknowledged it. Because of that, at times, it made our lives hell when we were children. I certainly did not want my children to have the same experiences. Some mental illnesses are hereditary. Isn't it so sad if issues like that and others like that are handed down to other generations um, who are innocent at birth and, of course, um, end up with, say, a mental illness that was hereditary that was got from either parent? I think that's, that's heartbreaking. I mean, it's heartbreaking also if there's physical ailments handed down hereditary-wise too. Would be would be, be so compassionate, I wonder, if the father did this. Uh, would he have done time, I wonder? Without a doubt, the public would be far less forgiving and a dad would be locked away for life. Thank you for those texts, 0868-104-106. We'll pick it up after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Okay, your thoughts then on, on children's allowance and who should get it and what it should be used for are welcome. Text 0868-104-106. I did get some, um, some stats and data on child benefit comparisons across the European Union. Apparently, we're nowhere near the top, incidentally. We come in 20th in the League of Countries with regards to uh, amounts paid out per child uh, on uh, the basis of, of children's allowance, we're, we're 20th. I mean, the Danes, the Germans, Luxembourg, Finland, Sweden, Austria, Poland, France, they're, they're all right up there. Um, but some countries pay dunchy amounts of money, like the Greeks pay €5.87 per child per month. They pay €18 Euro for, for two children. That's the children's allowance in, in Greece. Belgium, very low, €77 Euro by comparison. Uh, per child. Uh, Iceland, 115. Uh, the French, 120. But that's for two children. They only pay it on the second, not the first. <laughs> Interesting. Um, bet you there's no one parent, one child families at all possible in France there. 120 only starts at two. Uh, the Danes pay 145 euro. Bear in mind, we pay 140. The Danes pay 145 euro uh, per child. Italy, Italy, the Italians pay 250 euro. Um, children's allowance, if your annual income is under 11 and a half grand, um, it just falls off a cliff if you earn more than 25 grand. It goes down to 38 euro. See how there's a kind of a means testing system in Italy. So that might be the point that some people are making that we should have. You know, if you're, you know, if your income is below 11 and a half grand, 250, but if it's somewhat higher than that, smaller and smaller amounts. If your income in Italy, for instance, is over 44 grand, you get no children's allowance whatsoever. So I wonder, would you think that that's the system we should have? That those that don't need it don't get it and those that do might get more. The Germans pay 219. Um, Luxembourg, 265. The Netherlands, 58. The Dutch are kind of a bit scrawny in the children's allowance department, 58. Uh, in Finland, 100. In Sweden, 118. In Norway, 135. In Austria, 105. In the UK, 105. In Liechtenstein, 215. Poland, 120. In Spain, what's going on with the Spanish? 24 euro. If you have a child under 18 with a disability, it's double at 48 euro. So the Spanish pay 24 euro or 48 for a child with a disability. Yeah, I would think that. I mean, 
fairly, they'd be affluent enough, wouldn't they, the Spanish? And Switzerland, 165. So it's kind of all over the place. So we're near, we're nowhere near the top and we're nowhere near the end. We're average, if you like, average. Lines open, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 086 on that one. Your opinions, 0868-104-106 on Children's Allowance. Now, uh, I mentioned that I would be chatting uh, with uh, Ian Bailey. A lot of different things going on in, in Ian Bailey's life at the moment. We recently had the, uh, the of course, the drug driving conviction uh, to deal with uh, down West Cork. And then we have two um, documentaries coming out. One will be the Netflix documentary and the other will be the Sky Crime documentary. Both of those are coming out in, in the next few weeks. And on top of that, there's been a new episode as well of the popular Audible podcast, West Cork. I haven't listened to it yet. Maybe you guys have a, a listen to it later on. It's episode 14. I think predominantly it deals with the with the French trial. But if you haven't followed uh, Sam and Jennifer's West Cork podcast, you should. Um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, because obviously, you know, this case goes back to... 1996 and it still remains unsolved. So Ian Bailey has written to the Garda Commissioner Drew Harris to reinvestigate the case. His relationship with Jules Holland has, pardon me, Jules Thomas has come to an end uh, but he's still living in the prairie but for only a matter of time he will have to move um, and he's looking for accommodation. Now part of the it's kind of interesting because part of the, the documentary that's going to be released on Sky one of the comparisons made to this is that, say, for instance, in the case of uh, the uh, Birmingham Six who signed confessions that were forced out of them um, because of beatings and what have you, and then were found subsequently, even with a, a conviction that was unsafe and up, uh, overturned, it was still overturned in spite of a confession. And I was making that point during my conversation to Ian Bailey that he never, he, he never admitted to this and he never signed a confession and he never retracted a confession, nothing like that. He said from the off 1996 that he had nothing to do with it. But that point I think is going to be made uh, and a lot of other points besides in the, in the sky crime documentary that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. So I caught up with Ian Bailey yesterday and we chatted through different issues going on in his life at the moment. But I was curious actually as to where he was going from the point of view of um, having nowhere to live, looking for somewhere to live, and unless he finds somewhere to live, he he figures he's going to be he's going to be homeless. The situation I'm in at the moment is I'm looking for suitable alternative accommodation, and it's very very difficult to find anything at all here in West Cork. It was even before the COVID relocation um, thing began. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's a fear I have. I mean it's a reality. Um, I'm trying to deal with it the best I can. Uh, I'm very sympathetic to Jules, and I think she's relatively sympathetic to me um, in as much that she's understanding of the situation. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to find, you know, daily I'm doing checks for any any suitable accommodation, but it's uh, it's very very difficult. And do you think that you would you would wish or will stay in West Cork? I know oh, you yeah, can't. I, you, I, you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would hope. Well, my 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 hope is that I can find suitable alternative accommodation. Because you can't you you can't leave the country as such because of the European arrest warrant, aren't I right? That's correct. I mean, even if the UK is no longer part of the European arrest warrant, I'm not too sure if they are or not. They have a, their own bilateral uh, extradition treaty with France. So even if I was to return to England. Uh, I would be arrested at point of uh, entry. Um, yeah. 
So you haven't been back to family or friends in a long, long time in the UK then? Yeah, a long, long time. Um, I can't remember the last time I think I was there back in the, the noughties sometime. And as as you know, I wasn't even able to get to my mother's funeral for fear of being yeah. arrested. But yeah. And the the, the relationship, and I don't mean to pry, and if I am, do tell me to stop, but like, do you think that it's even amazing that it, it you managed to withstand all of these pressures and the relationship lasted for as long as it did? Well, I, all I know is that Jules stood by me um, through thick and thin, and it took its toll uh, ultimately. Um, you know, she was subjected to her own form of torture. I was subjected to my, you know, it was an individual torture and a collective torture. And then it's, you know, taking its toll. And it's ruined your life, completely tortured yeah, you. completely. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, had, I've had, you know, as a result of a false narrative that was created, I would say, well, I would say this, wouldn't I? You know, to put me in a frame for a crime I had nothing to do with, it's completely ruined my life it robbed me of my career as a journalist it's robbed me of any reasonable legitimate expectations i might have had whatever they might have been which would have been probably to you know continue writing and be a, a journalist and um recently i learned that there was um dna found on the body i didn't know this until actually it came out i think from a result of a, a, the most recent episode of the west court podcast um and i was really shocked about that the fact that there was apparently male dna found on the body wasn't mine and that fact had been concealed uh for whatever reasons um so this was and, DNA on a boot added to uh, another story involving the missing gate, yeah? Yeah, I mean, there are several strands to this. I mean, uh, and I've drawn these, these points to the attention of uh, Drew Harris, who I'm hoping is as a clean pair of hands. Okay, let me ask you about that. Have you written to him, to the Garda Commissioner? Yeah, I wrote a letter last week, which um, I would have expected to have arrived by now. I haven't had a response and in that letter, I'm asking him as a clean pair of hands to reinvestigate what I would say was a conspiracy to pervert the course of justice by putting me falsely in the frame for a crime I had nothing to do with. And you think that because he's reasonably new to the job in terms of time and scale to 1996, that he could look at it through a fresh pair of eyes? That's that's my hope, yes. And um, uh, that's my hope and, and, and prayer that he does. I mean, apart from the damage it's done to me, this has done. This is a terribly dark stain on the otherwise good name of Angarda Shikana. But just on that point, Ian, there were three reviews of Angarda Shikana, um, and there was no evidence found of any Gardi perverting the cause, the case, the cause know, of justice. I know, I know, I think, I think the reviews were, um, were were all done by the establishment, and they had a vested interest in coming to that conclusion. Um, so you want him to reopen um, and reinvestigate everything, is it? That's what I'm asking. I mean, you know, I'm an innocent person who's been convicted in France in my absence of a crime I had nothing to do with. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, whinging, a whinging pom, but it, 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 it's been a terrible, terrible thing. And, you know, and it goes on. And as it goes on and on, of course, and you talk about robbing you of your career, um, any legitimate expectations you could have expected of your life and the breakdown of, of your relationship. Um, 
Do you still love Jules? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, that's very personal. But yes, uh, yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, I think she's a, a fine, strong woman. Anyway, look, I, I don't really want to. You know, that's private and personal. Have you seen either of the documentaries, either the Sky documentary or the Netflix documentary? Well, no, I don't. I, I, the, um, the, the Sky documentary has been done by Jim Sheridan. I haven't seen it. I've contributed to it. I, I, um, I don't know how it's going to could come out. The Netflix documentary, which I think is actually more a piece of propaganda than uh, an objective documentary from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're in both, though. You feature in both. You willingly participate. Well, I cooperated funny with the Jim Sheridan project. Yeah. I gave the Netflix um, team of, of John uh, Dower some limited access to me um, in the in the open air, as it were, uh, just being myself. Uh, but I I didn't do any interviews with them. Do you have any idea as to how you will be portrayed in either of them? Do you think they'll be positive? No, negative? I mean I'm hoping I'm hoping the Jim Sheridan project will be objective and and, and reasonable. I'm suspecting the Netflix um, uh, project will be a piece of demonization. And as I say, propaganda, the, the, the French family are actually involved in the production at quite a high level. And clearly, you know, they they believe I had something to do with the murder of Sophie Tosca and the plant. Well, and, I murdered and, and they've believed yeah. that for, for a long time. How, do, how does that feel? They that from, I, think I think they believe that from almost the, the, the get-go of the investigation. And of you, course, there's never been any, any, any actual evidence at all. There have been allegations and um yeah so um yeah you never signed a confession sure you didn't never no 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 yeah yeah no. so when he investigates again if he does uh, how would he come up with a different conclusion considering so much time I, I has passed know. some I of the I mean, I, some I, of the I, I those some of the people are dead that's right. Some are still alive. Uh, I don't know. I, I, all I'm doing is, uh, uh, as, as a, an innocent person who's been very, very badly maligned and put in frame for a crime I had nothing to do with, asking him to, to look at the case again. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that he, he will. But. And and let's say, okay, let's say he does. You, you'll be very optimistic that at least somebody would look at it through a fresh pair of eyes. But if he doesn't, how will you feel? Well, I, all I can do is what I can do, and that, that you know, I've, I've written to him and I've asked him. Um, it, it's up to him to make a decision on on whether he does, um, you know. And in the meantime, my life goes on, and I'm having to look for, a, you know, somewhere to live. And it, it's tough. It's not easy at all. Do you do you ever look at it from the point of view of twenty five years later? Let's say if the DPP had prosecuted you, and let's say that you had been found guilty, you would have done time. You would be out of jail quite a long time now, and getting on with your life with no arrest warrants and nothing hanging over you. This has gone on so long. Do you ever look at it through that kind of a narrative? Not, not, not really. No, I mean I just tend to deal with the reality of, of the situation as it, as it's arisen. How do you? Where do you get the strength to do that, though? Year in, year out, just to keep living the same nightmare. 
I don't know. I mean, one, I know I have nothing to do with it. So that helps immensely. You know, I've got a faith um, as well, and that, that helps me. And I've had a lot of support from a lot of people. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I've been very determined and, um, you know, to, to keep on protesting my innocence and to do anything that I could to, to, to support that. And writing to the commissioner now is the, the most recent thing that I'm, you know, could do to. Do you think that there's somebody out there or that there are people out there, one or more, that know what happened on that night? I'm pretty pretty sure and certain that there are people in Ireland who know I have nothing to do with it. Now, whoever was the killer, I don't know. But I know that there are people, certainly within the guards. I mean, I've even been told by guards informally who I've met that they know that I had nothing to do with it. So <laughs> it's kind of um, hard to believe that they would say that. Um, why wouldn't they investigate I that then? I, I, I know the, the, this would be this would be guards who were not guards at the time of the 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 crime or the initial investigations. So is it a case that you would need to be ruled out of any further suspicion, or that the guardy would find the killer? Um, either in a way, but I mean, the fact that there was DNA found on the body and it obviously wasn't mine, it couldn't have been, uh, I find quite shocking. Will that be tested then, that DNA? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not aware of that. I mean, I assume it would have been, but I mean, one of the things about this case is that anything that took the, um, changed the false narrative, i.e. that I was the murderer, Anything that would take the, the, the focus away from me has been ignored. Time and time again. Yeah, yes. So um, where you find yourself now is waiting for Drew Harris to come back and respond to your letter. Uh, and we shall see what happens there. Um, if, 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 for instance, he does and you're, you were finally cleared of any involvement in it, because you say you've been robbed of your career, you've been robbed of your life. Firstly, what would you have done with that life and career if this had never happened? Well, I guess I would have continued being a journalist and writing stories. Um, you know, as, as, as it happened, I was able to somehow keep on going and I focused my creative writing in, in, into not journalism because I couldn't pursue journalism, but, but, but poetry. And that's been very cathartic and helpful to me over the years. And to the future, what would you do with the future, the rest of your life then, if you were free to travel and go about your business unimpeded? I don't know. Uh, I would just hope, and my prayer has always been, that the truth about this would come out at some point before I was dead. And and, and that is still my, my, my hope. I, I don't know. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Ian, thanks for taking the call as always. Thanks for uh, allowing me to catch up with you. Appreciate it. Okay. Good morning, Margaret. August two thanks Long before. Okay. Thank you. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Okay, so that's the latest in the life of uh, Ian Bailey. So we have the latest episode of the Audible podcast, West Cork, which was released uh, last week. Uh, I was following up on this uh, topic, actually, ahead of my chat with Ian Bailey in the Southern Star, the latest edition of the Southern Star. And we were all wondering, and the Southern Star kind of looked into it a little bit, what's the story with um, the two documentaries? So the latest episode 
episode of the podcast by Sam Bungie and Jennifer Ford is now out. That's episode 14. Jim Sheridan's murder at the cottage uh, is due to be shown sort shortly on, on Sky Television. Um, apparently, um, the Southern Star were wondering why was it being pushed back and pushed back because it should have been on much sooner than that. And Sky TV told the Southern Star last week that the documentary had been delayed due to scheduling problems, um, but that it should be sorted and, you know, hopefully uh, in the coming weeks, certainly sometime in June, I'd imagine. Uh, it's also been reported this week that the Netflix series on the case, which is Sophie a murder in West Cork will begin streaming on Netflix from the 30th of June. So two different uh, documentary series, uh, possibly the back end uh, of June. Lines open, 1850-104-106, text 086-8104-106. I'll jump into more texts and calls as well uh, throughout the course of the next 20 minutes and again tomorrow. But on child benefit... Um, as to whether or not it should be means tested and, you know, Dublin Council is saying that way too many people who have very good incomes are getting children children's allowance and shouldn't get it, don't deserve it, don't need and wouldn't miss it if they didn't have it. Just about your caller, Liz, on the air. Is she out of her mind? €140 Euro per child a month? I'm sorry, but that's absolutely diabolical to say people only have children um, f- or sex for child benefit. Me and my partner both work full time. We also save for a mortgage. We save the children's allowance most months to go towards Christmas or summer holidays. Yeah, I, I get that text actually. Everybody's entitled to a good Christmas and everybody, regardless of their means, surely be to God is entitled to a summer holiday. So if you want to put the children's allowance to a summer holiday, go for it, you. That woman who thinks we should lose our child benefit because you earn over a certain amount, wow. She'll penalise those who bloody work hard and give it to the people who don't. Typical. She needs a grip, says Aoife. Let's stay with this, shall we? Debbie, good morning. Hi, yeah. I was comparing it to some countries in Europe, like in Greece, where they get a fiver a month. A fiver. Or the Spanish who give, um, what was the number I gave for Spain earlier on, the amount of money the Spanish give? 24 euro a month. Anyway, your thoughts? Well, first of all, anyway, it's... Recently, it's only in the last few years that our that child benefit has risen up. But um, what I was what I was saying about that last caller there, says she said that it's the shops put on sales and stuff like that. Special so offers, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't come across that. Now, any time I got my child benefit, it was straight into pennies to buy clothes for my daughter. You know, underwear and stuff like that. And what she was saying about there are people able to put that child benefit away. It's well for them if they're able to do that. And and not only that, anyway, when it comes to child benefit, it, 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 it's, you have to apply for it, first off. So if people feel they don't need it, they don't have to apply for it. Oh, do you? You have to fill in forms to be... Well, they I suppose have you have to, to tell them you've had a child anyway, yeah. yeah. That's it. And if you have a child that's a year old and you apply for child benefit when they're only a year old, they only backdate you for three months. Do you know? Oh, and I see. So you think that if those that have enough money don't want it, they need never apply for it and just forego it. Forget about it. Yeah, that's if they, that's if they want to. How many people yeah, would actually do that, though, knowing it was there for them? Well, I, I'm not sure. I suppose you'll get some greedy people that would probably play for it, even if they didn't need it. But, I mean, for the people that did need it, and I, I do agree, but in some places, there are people out there that are actually having children left and right. To she said she knows of one has had nine children well, for the children's allowance. Which was, but I, I, but I personally don't know any anybody but I I have heard of it that, that people are actually having babies because if you had nine children right 
Yeah. How would you make a profit on children's allowance with nine children unless you only fed them a diet of dried pasta or something? Well, like I suppose you, but you get other benefits as well through the week. Do you know what I mean? Like I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually, um, well, I'm actually on disability myself and the money I get like from week to week covers me from week to week. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. the, the, the child benefit is only on a monthly basis. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the more children you have then, the more money that you get then, you know, and obviously she'll be able to put some of it away then, you know? Okay, so you, you've you never heard of a shop or a pub or a restaurant or anything like that advertising special offers or discounts or sales around the first Tuesday of the month? Well, no, I haven't. I've heard of it, like we said, on a Tuesday, but it could be like every Tuesday, not just the first Tuesday of the month. I've never heard of that. Like, but I know that there probably are shops out there. there well, there was, there was one, Brian O'Connell in the Irish Times wrote an article that said Centra had to apologise for a promotion run in four of its stores which targeted child benefit recipients with offers of low-price alcohol. Um, they withdrew the promotion. It was called... Children's allowance day deals well, on alcohol. I never, heard, I never heard that, but I, I'm sure it probably does happen. But I mean, I never bothered look, even looking for things like that because when I got my child benefit on the first Tuesday, I was either into pennies to buy clothes for my daughter if she needs them, or I was off to the, into Liam Russell's when it was open at the time buying copies and benches. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, and that's what, yeah. and that yeah, and that's what it you know that's for. That's the reason it's there to help in situations like that. But it's not there. It's not there to have children's allowance day deals featuring a variety of products, including biscuits, pizza, pizza, cases of Miller beer. Oh, I agree with you. I think that's sure. And you know, but I'm, I'm just saying, like for the, some people, that, like that that last call, she said she'd be able to call children's loads away. I I would have loved them to be able to do that. Gotcha. And pay for education. Gotcha. So obviously, I couldn't afford. I had to spend it as I came. No. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, well done. Office, well know? done. Well done. Thank you for that. Let me get some more calls on here's Eilish. Thank you, Debbie. Eilish, good morning. Morning, Neil. Did you, you ever hear of children's allowance deals in, sh- in shops like the one I just mentioned? No, it's a long time now since I had the children's allowance. Would you ever I see have... it in a shop? Like, no, no, you, no, no, never. No. Never. How would, you feel, how would you feel about children's allowance day deals on boxes of Miller or Budweiser? Oh, of course you can't do that. That's terrible. Happened though, maybe it still happened. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was listening to that lady. No, but just um, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Your thoughts. Oh yeah, you yeah, man. Well, Neil, you know, I always see the funny side of things. I'm desperate for for humour. Anyway, when I saw that on Facebook this morning, I just burst out laughing. I said, "What? He's weird, serious." No, he's not. You know, he's saying that um, welfare should be awarded to those who need it most. You know, like I said in my text, right now they have brought the country to its knees, right. There are thousands and thousands of people out of work, right? Unexpectedly, like the pilots gone on the pub payment of three fifty, and they're earning savage money. And if they have kids, is that going to be taken off them? Um, what else is it going to say? Um, like, he, my opinion, he should go way back to school and and learn, uh, not learn a few manners. And you know, it's. It's so critical for, uh, it's like anyone can lose their job now. I know people who um, have decent salaries and all the rest of it, but as happened with the last year and a half, they could lose their job tomorrow morning and they're putting away the bit of children's allowance. For and then they, would, then they would get maybe, if the system was fair, they would get more children's allowance because they then need it more. 
which is what the Italians do. They have a system whereby if your income goes over 44 grand, you get no children's allowance. Mm-hmm. So they won't do that here at all, I hope. They're only trying to take money off people. Um, I would say... Um, well, like I mean, he, he's, he's suggesting that if you have children's allowance in a country and you give it to someone on 100 grand or 150 grand or 200 grand, you're just giving it to them to enjoy the pleasure of sex and having children. That's a load of, I'm telling you, talk about stupid. No, it's not. How is it stupid? It like, how is it stupid? Giving people, a, 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 what do you call it, a subsidy to have sex. I mean, that is so ridiculous. You ought to go on Facebook page, Neil, and um, look at some of the comments. Okay, I will actually. Is it, if it interests yeah. me, it would. Oh, I'm telling you, you laugh all evening at some of them. Um, I mean, like, for example, as well, the Devonhams ladies, you know, yeah. um, and uh, what is now? Well, the Debenhams ladies, of course, just get the training money, three million yes. to retrain. Oh, they wanted yeah. three million to be divided equitably amongst them. Yeah, yeah, more rubbish. They should have got money, not training. Okay, so what, so the general consensus on Facebook, because you've seen it, I haven't. Does it agree with them that it should be... Oh my be- God, Neil. <laughs> Some of the comments, I can't. I can screenshot them too if you want to. But, are you um, saying that most people want people who are very wealthy to continue to get children's allowance? No. The most people are just... Uh, I mean, some of the comments I couldn't talk about on air, but uh, uh, they're extremely funny. Um, okay. I'll, I'll, have a, I'll have a look at them. I'll have a look at them. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, um, Alish. Are you done? Uh, no, just one more thing, like in my own case, just, just this is just a by story. Years and years ago when I, I was on my own and I was on the children's allowance, I was working at the time as well, but not making a load of money. Like, But um, one day I went in to get my children's allowance and I was looking for it and I looking for my book and I couldn't find it anywhere. And on Signum, there's a lovely wide open area and I checked everywhere. So I went into town, reported to the guards and to the post office and that I had either lost or stolen came back, I prayed to St. Anthony because I love St. Anthony, and came back, walked in my door, and it was in the middle of the sitting room floor. I was, it's like, I depended on that, Neil, for the, I didn't run to pennies or duns or anything. Yeah, I know, that was life or death for you, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I wouldn't say life or death because I was earning a bit of a a wage. Uh, Well, you know what I mean, it made a huge difference to your income to that, yeah. Uh, Like, I, I, I just think it's like, his wording uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Okay, um, thank you for that, Lalish. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I worked in a night in a nightclub for years, and the first Tuesday of the month was always busy with single mammies on the beer. That was back in Henry's in the early noughties. Um, thank you for that text. And of course, Henry's gone, but not forgotten. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. We'll pick it up after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Okay, lines open now. 1850104106. We have 500 euro vouchers to give away every day this week for the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road and Blackpool, providing the highest quality Irish-made furniture to our customers, they say, for over 40 years and so say all of us. There's a four to six week delivery time. Others have much longer. Furniture Centre is four to six week and you're talking about furniture made in Ireland. So I love it. All ticks all the boxes. So talk on a topic. Three callers please. one 850 Callers 9, 10 and 11. I give you a number. You pick a number. Uh, you get a choice number between 1 and 9 and then you will talk on a topic 
based on the number that you pick uh, for 30 seconds without repetition, deviation, ums, ahs or pauses. You won't know the topic till I give it to you. Then the clock will start. 30 seconds. Whoever does it best wins a 500 euro voucher. I can't explain it any more than that. So get dialing now. one 850 I took my son and daughters to town after school uh, on Monday. Uh, we parked up. Actually, I think this text could have been from... Friday, uh, so this would have been Friday afternoon. Took my son and daughter to scan to town after school. We parked up as we exited the car park. The first thing we saw was a group of junkies shooting up and openly dealing in the doors of a business. We were pestered by people begging. One man on the ground with no shoes begging before we even got to the shop. On the way to the shop, a group of boys were shouting and cursing. They passed us by. If we didn't move out of their way, they would have knocked down my seven-year-old. I told the kids, we'll go to Maham Point instead. Kids shouldn't have to be exposed to this kind of carry-on in town. The shops will lose business if it's not cleaned up. I didn't see any guards in town. It's gone to the stage you can't even bring your kids into the city during the day now. And that's just one of many, which I haven't got to, and I hope to get more on the air because they all tell stories of the city centre. A parent rang in. She said, the issue with children being terrorised in Holly Hill... It is happening since last summer. She said that her son got a black eye from one of them and her son was begging them not to go to the guards out of fear, begging the parents don't go to the guards out of fear. So the parents didn't. She said she knows three other children hurt in the last few months because of this carry-on, but she's too scared to go on air, have her name read out, but she would take a call um, off air and will send on all details and emails. She wants to know if anyone else is having any troubles like this in that general area of Holly Hill. Uh, so thank you for that. Pick up the phone, text 0868104106. Just one fast one before I do the comp because Leona was due on earlier and I didn't get to it. Leona, good morning. Hi Neil, good morning. Played a Vox earlier on that we did and we had conversations recently about kids at weddings. So y- when you were getting married, uh, what did you do? Um, I have three kids, so they were obviously at my wedding and I had three other kids. One was my nephew, he was part of the wedding party and family members uh, that travelled from abroad, they brought their two kids with them. Um, so, like, I had my daughters with me for the getting ready part. My son went to with his dad for his getting ready part. Um, I brought the two girls in the wedding car with me on the way to the hotel because I had a civil ceremony. Uh, he went with his dad. Um, and, I like, those two kids that, that came from, that travelled abroad, I didn't see any difference in being there or not. How there. old? Oh, they were maybe three and five or four and six or something like that. Was it a big wedding? I had 150 guests at my right. wedding. And But did you did you specify that kids were allowed or weren't allowed? No, like I have close friends and they have kids and I asked them do they want to bring their kids and they said no. Like, <laughs> they said no? Personally, I, yeah, personally, if I was invited to a wedding, I don't want to bring my kids. You so know? you didn't put it down either way and they just didn't bring them? No, they just I was asked, do they want to bring their kids? And they said, no, they'll yeah, come, yeah. come with their partners. Like, and they did, and their kids got minded, and, you know. So you see, the, the issue was that the texters who went to weddings and the callers who've been to weddings, where as the day went on, it just got wrecked by kids running around unchaperoned, unsupervised. You see, that's, like, if I, if, me, if myself and my husband were to bring one of our kids, to, bring our kids to a wedding, if they were getting, like, running around the place, like, one person has to, like, write... You know, if it was a ceremony or anything, just take the kids outside. Um, so that's why I would just prefer not to bring kids to a wedding because I just think it's a nice day for you and your partner uh, just to sit down and relax and have a nice day. At the church, one yeah. child knocked over a big, tall, l- lighting candle 
and it burnt another child inside in the church. Oh my goodness! Well, yeah, well, like they shouldn't have been up near the candles, like. No, but it was d- it was down the back, I suppose. The child's yeah. they go exploring, I guess, you know. Yeah, they do, they do, and like, like I had a civil ceremony, so my my ceremony was short, and my kids were involved with the ceremony and stuff like that. But like, I like. My kids wouldn't sit through a christening, never mind say a wedding ceremony. So, yeah. like, if you were to bring your kids, bring them to the hotel, skip the church with them. Yeah, let them eat, and then gone by eight o'clock, kind of thing. Oh, mine, mine were gone by eight o'clock. They, gotcha. They, um, we we had our family photos in the hotel um, for about forty minutes. Myself and my bridal party. Uh, we all went out. My husband, we got photographs taken. My son was very small at the time. He went up to the honeymoon suite with him. Um, with a babysitter and they brought him down at the meal and my kids and everything sat at the top table and then at the end of it um, it was my daughter's birthday the next day ideal. and we surprised her and everyone sang happy birthday ideal ideal I leave yeah. it at that Leona thank you for taking the call thanks for texting originally okay Vicky Murphy's in the lock Maura's in Colleen's first up Helen Geary just outside from Moy uh, morning Helen hi Neil how are you okay you're first up let me see if I got Maura here as well Maura Good morning. Hang in there, I'll get back to you in a tick. So here's the deal, Helen, 30 seconds, I choose the topic, but you can pick a number now between 1 and 9. If you win this, you get a €500 Euro voucher for the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. Go ahead, number between 1 and 9. Um, I'll choose 6, please. The number 6. You have 30 seconds, please, on one thing that you could not live without. One thing that you could never, ever live without. And your clock starts now. Okay, well, the one thing I could not live without, which I've discovered during COVID, is my mother's cooking. Um, Since moving home, I've moved home from Cork City back to the country here, and you cannot beat your mum's cooking. Every morning she gets up and she makes me and dad sausages, rashers, pudding, everything like that. Then I do my work, come out of my office for dinner, and every day she has to make a big farmer's dinner for my father. So she makes potatoes, meat, carrots, and then the day never finishes off without her having to make supper as well. That's incredible. That is incredible. <laughs> Do you have a fry every morning? Oh, God, this is going to open a, a big can of worms here. <laughs> um, yeah, I say ma'am and dad have been married, I say, 25 years, and nearly every day she cooked him one. Oh, my God. Almighty, yeah. his arteries and his cholesterol and his blood. <laughs> I know, I know. His heart. <laughs> yeah, I just benefit off it then. All right, okay. But years back, the fry would also include um, fried bread. He doesn't get fried bread done in the dripping and everything, does he? No, no, we're not that bad at all. That was very good. Fair play to you. Hold on there. Maura. Morning, Neil. That's a tough act to follow. Oh, my God. She's absolutely brilliant. She never even came up for breath. Okay, no, pick a no, number between didn't. one and nine. One. The number one, the most exciting time in your life ever. Whenever that was, the most exciting time in your life ever, 30 seconds and your clock starts now. Okay, I suppose the most exciting time in my life is when we were, when my my husband went up to Israel on holidays and I had never been outside Ireland before that. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, when we got over to Israel anyway, got off the plane and got the, the, the heat of the sun when I got off the plane, saw the palm trees and I, my heart was pounding to sound fantastic. So we went into Jerusalem, we went into Tel Aviv and I tell you, I think I missed half of it because I just couldn't take it in. It was so brilliant. And to see the way all the people live in Jerusalem. Oh my God, almighty. 
The standard is very high today, lads. That's very good, Maura. Thanks very much, Neil. I don't know how Vicky Murphy in the lock feels. Let's find out. Vicky? Hello? Oh, my God. (laughs) I would not want to be last. I know. I hope I get a good topic now. Well, in fairness to you, you didn't hang up. No. Well, people have hung up in the past. They said, I'll never beat that. Anyway. Fair play to you. Admire your bribery. Bribery. 30s are bravery. Not bribery. But here's 30 (laughs) seconds for you. Pick a number between 1 and 9. I'll take eight. <laughs> eight. My, your favourite film or movie ever? The one you loved watching or watch over and over again? So 30 seconds on your favourite film ever and your clock starts now. Okay, my favourite movie would have to be Con Air. It's always been a classic. We used to watch it when we were younger with my mom. Every Friday night we used to love it. So we love Nicolas Cage. My mom used to have a huge crush on him and then we developed a crush on him. Even though he wouldn't be my type now, he was always my type back then with the long hair and the muscles. We used to love the accent. We used to love all the characters. We used to love the cannibal. We used to love everything about it. We used to love the music, the playing, the dancing. And we loved the character as well that used to put on the woman's dress and she'd run up and she'd be singing Sweet Home Alabama. Never, never saw that film. You're not selling it to me anyway, if that you can be sure. I, I wonder, was there a little bit of deviation there and a little bit of repetition? Um, I'm thinking a bit. I don't know. Huh? Neil, can I say one thing? No. <laughs> no, because I'm thinking now. <laughs> I think after all Mam's cooking, she deserves some furniture in the kitchen. <laughs> some new furniture. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Can't you hear me? Thinking. Neil, I listen to you every single morning without without stop. Lads, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. (laughs) All three were perfect. Sit down and take it easy and just concentrate for a minute and you'll be. Who said that? Is that Maura? That was Maura, yeah. You're telling me, are you telling me who to pick, is it? Concentrate for a minute, yeah. And you'd be grand and I'll make a nice decision then. We huh? were very good to three of us. It's very hard. We know what the predicament you're in. Not getting any help. I can tell you, I'm not getting any help from anybody in this building anyway. Do you know, you know who would help me on this, but I don't think she heard it. Was the one and only Lana O'Connor? I didn't actually hear it because I came in a little bit late for news. Well, you, the three of them, the so. three of them were as close to perfect as you can get. Okay. Slight bit of deviation from Vicky. Slight bit. But still as close to perfect as you can get. And you know, I was only 66 during the week, so you know, I could have done a good uh, birthday present. I know, and that's Aww. it. That's, that's ages now. <laughs> I, I think, I think we will, we'll do it again in the morning first thing, maybe. It's the only fairest way. Kick off the show with it. Play off. Yeah, I think maybe you oh, should, God. yeah. Play off in the morning. <laughs> the poor girls, it's awful. You ready in the morning, girls? Four hours to think about it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Will, you, will you, Lan, will you judge it for me in the morning? I will. All right, fantastic. Okay, make sure you're available in the morning, Helen, Maura and Vicky, because I'm too much of a coward to make a call on it right now. <laughs> Talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.